0: Hey everyone and welcome to episode 30 of the Bonehead podcast where we talk all things blood bowl. Welcome back. I'm Ben Due to a technical issue tonight, Rich was unable to make the show again this week. But luckily, Ian Warhanum Hannum was able to help us out at short notice and jump on.
1: Hello. How
0: you doing today, Ian? You all right?
1: Yeah, I'm great. Thanks. Yeah, always, uh, always up for a bit of a surprise podcast.
0: Massively, <laughs> massively, massively, massively appreciate it. So, Ian, what are we talking about on episode 30?
1: Okay, so well, first of all, I just want to say episode 30. That's huge. Um, it's, not, it's not bad. It's really good. So, you know, keep on going, guys, and uh, happy to jump on at any time. But we are mainly focusing today on Bonehead Basics Ogres, uh, which is quite topical because obviously we've seen um, Games Workshop have um, revealed the team. We're going to be then moving on to looking at tournament series and then, of course, all the usual games, hobby, star players and Bonehead goodness.
0: That. That, fantastic. So that isn't all. Today we are also lucky enough to be joined by a special guest and food bowl tournament organiser, Sabiel. Thanks for joining us, Sabiel. How are you doing today?
2: I'm good, thanks guys. Thanks for the addition.
0: No, no, no. It's absolutely fantastic. Uh, lovely to have you on board. Um, but before we move on to the first section, we, it's, it's show tradition now to check a few things with each of our guests. So how did you get into bowl?
2: Oh, God, that's been many years ago it was. He got into playing fantasy originally, hey. and then there was one day he just like reading the Blood Bowl novels, um, and then went into my first game, and so a couple of the guys at the club I was at like, did play it, so they kind of gave me one of the guys game an intro game, which didn't exactly end too well.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I've been there, and it was against Ben. <laughs> yeah, so that's, that's how I
0: tricked Ian into play. Uh, I let him win loads of times. So... Um, <laughs> When you say you used to play fantasy, what kind of what edition was fan, what edition of fantasy we played?
2: Well, I think I came in towards the end of sixth edition of fantasy, and then it was just moving on towards seventh. Ah,
1: uh, the the golden era was sixth mm, edition. We loved sixth, didn't we? In our it, in our it, group, it's it's
0: still a fantastic game. Um, cool, lovely job. So uh, the the second question is, what is your favourite Blood Bowl team to play?
2: That's a bit of a hard one because, I, I tend to flip between two mainly. You know, so it's either between the ogres and the orcs. But I think last couple of years, I think I've definitely enjoyed playing the orcs more.
0: Oh, okay, fantastic. What's uh, <laughs> what what, what uh, is that the team you started out with? Yeah. Ah, <laughs> uh, you go. You see, what what did you play orcs in fantasy battle as well?
2: No, no, I played wood elves. Ooh, oh, wow. okay,
0: yeah. That's that's see what we normally find is that someone's like I play orcs. What game? What, what do you mean? What game? I only yeah, play exactly. Orcs.
1: <laughs> I've learned to paint green skin really well. I'm yeah, not changing. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. Uh, talking of that, Ian, how's the uh, how's the how to paint orc skin WordPress
1: go? Oh yeah, good. Yeah. So done a, done a few, taking a bit of a break, and I'm going to come back with uh, a little bit of work on glowing. I've, someone's asked me to uh, do a oh, bit cool. of work on glow effects, so going to look at some simple ways of doing that.
0: Fantastic. Right then, if you guys are ready, we'll move on to news. So first things first, let's talk Blood Bowl news. So we've got a few points to talk through today. So I'm hoping that uh, that you two have had a chance to have a look at the show notes and have a look so you can share your, your views on them as well. So the, the first one's a very quick one. It is that uh, Roll Jordan have announced their, to they're restarting their fantasy football range in resin. So had a quick look at the link, which I'll put in the show notes uh, for everyone to see after the podcast. And basically they're saying that um, starting next year. So probably around February time, they'll be doing a campaign with five or six of their teams that they're going to re-release in highly detailed resin and could be as low as 30 or 35 euros for a full team of 16, uh, uh, including the big guy as a Kickstarter special. Now, uh, have you guys seen much of the Royal Jordan teams?
2: not really it's the first one i say has kind of come across on my radar on this
0: yeah same here i hadn't really seen much of it but i had a look and some of the teams look really good but that digitally remastered volmarion i mean it's it's chaos dwarf looks really cool
1: yeah he does look really good he's got a proper proper chunk to him and a bit of an evil grimace got got a nice beard plaits just looks really crisp detail if that's um if the print reflects the um the 3d cad it's going to be amazing
0: absolutely uh, the, the interesting thing for me will be the i couldn't find a scale against the new games workshop stuff so obviously the old the blood bowl stuff from 2015 earlier was smaller than the newer stuff so fanath when they did their dwarf kickstarter they upscaled their stuff <laughs> to match which was you know really really sizable um so i'm hoping that these ones will be of a similar scale because that, let's face it 35 let's say £35 for for a team, is awesome. That's brilliant.
2: Yeah, it's, it's quite a good price because it's, it's a... personally one thing I found is trying to find that right budget on what you go for on teams. Obviously, some people want to keep it fairly small. Me, I'm one of those ones that tends to go, so long as it looks cool on the table, I don't really care.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think I fall halfway between that. I'm very conscious that, uh, that although a team can be great, I I don't know. For me, 80 pounds is too much. Um, Anything less than that, if it's worthwhile, I think is fair game. So I was quite, I I don't even know what, what came over me the other day, but I was looking at the fan art stuff (laughs) because I I did the Kickstarter for the dwarves. And I was looking through their other range and I ended up ordering their frog team. Um, So in the the next week or so, their frog team is going to turn up. And I think I spent about 60, pounds on it just to get, because I wanted to run them in sevens for, for the, for the YouTube show. Mm. and uh, and it, it escalated because it always does
1: <laughs> you kept that quiet yeah well
0: uh, well honestly i'm worried that they're going to announce a black friday sale and i'm going to have made a terrible mistake
1: because
0: <laughs> 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 uh, it was one of those late night things where i was like these are so cool yeah let's get them yeah let's get them it'll be great and then i kind of thought about it and i was like oh everyone's announcing black friday oh. sales
1: just think uh, of it as you're supporting the producer
0: and you know what fan stuff i'm very happy to support uh <laughs> so yeah it'd be cool to see uh what roll jordan do with that um and it'd be great to see the models themselves when they're digitally remastered you know uh, lucas art style
1: yeah <laughs> hopefully they don't um you know pop out of the fog like lucas art games
0: oh wow that was the best part of the lucas art games was driving around <laughs> and all of a sudden there was a wall there it was great <laughs> So the, the second bit of news uh, we've got, Ian and I actually did talk about uh, a few episodes ago, I think it was 27 or 26, the one before the Lizardman one, which was the 3D dugouts. Yes. Uh, the blood gout ones. Uh, we actually said, didn't we, like, asked oh, it's great if you've got a 3D printer. But now on Etsy, somebody is 3D printing them. And for
1: £35. That is really reasonable, actually. Because I remember we were talking about when you break down just how many pieces uh that file had to put together and print separately and the the kind of time you would be spending on that 35 pounds for all that chunky resin plus it's, you know all the man hours. that's amazing
0: it's really good isn't it i mean they're not paint they're not painted are they uh da, 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 da. no they, uh,
2: they're looking by yeah they come <coughs> unpainted
1: oh my gosh look at the amount of pieces that it comes yeah to. exactly that's what i mean it's uh, it's loads yeah,
2: the detail on it is really nice and everything i'll, I'll definitely give it that but it's it, it's one of those things it's personally like i said it's if, it, if you've got like a nice setup in the house or a gaming area it's lovely i think the, my only issue with that is, is the transport side of it
1: well yeah, actually it... fortunately you can collapse it mm-hmm. into 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 kind of a self-contained box which is quite nice
0: is that the bit with the where it's built with the the grass bit on top
1: yeah, yeah. So it folds in, um, and it says most of the bits can be contained inside the actual dugout, so which is which is slightly more friendly. But obviously you've got to watch for knocks and stuff on the outside, particularly uh, if it's resin. Uh,
0: well, yeah, yeah. But well, no, I think this is this is printed.
1: Oh, is it? Okay, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, 3D printed. Yeah, so I'm, I'm not sure really how cool. how that plastic takes paint really, because I've never never painted anything 3D printed.
0: Uh, have, have you, Sabeel? Have you had any 3D printed stuff?
1: Uh, we've had a couple of the ball tokens that one of the guys did for
2: some of the, the Welsh blood ball a lot. And they, so some of the guys have got around to painting it. And it, can, it has come out pretty nicely because it depends on the resin material, I think. Most of it, as long as it cleans up nicely, but you get a good solid base coat on it, you're yeah. pretty much fine with most things.
0: Oh, That's, that's good. That's good. I've got one that uh, Hobby Hermit printed out for me. And you know what? I've washed it the same as any other Resia model, and it's um it's perfect. so i'm I'm really impressed. so yeah, thirty five pounds though, for this uh, this dugout, it's it's a it's in the right price range for that mm. little bit of bling, isn't it? Yeah it's in the danger zone for me.
2: <laughs> it, it's one of the things it was like it was um was it the World Cup a couple of years ago where they had the the metal ball token?
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: Because obviously when they did a re, uh, guys did a reprint and all, I definitely got in on that because that's a that's a nice one to have. But then as I say, since a lot of people are coming out with their new printed resin ones, they're becoming a bit more common and everything, and they, the the poker chip styles, I think. Um,
0: yeah.
2: I saw that you guys have as well. Those are those are nice. You get some really nice, good quality on those.
0: Yeah, and they they just it's just a cool bit of extra to have. Now, I've, you know, when they've got the scatter template on them as well, it makes them very useful. So. Um, yeah so that's that's cool so that's blood bowl dugout 3d printed terrain fantasy football 28 millimeter blood gout studios um get all that quick. yeah 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 <laughs> hope you wrote that down oh, that again i'll make sure that's in the show notes so you can have a quick look because actually 35 pounds if you're looking for something extra because you don't have quite enough blood bowl stuff to do no. i yeah it's a no-brainer for me
1: you've got all the teams you just need some some of the tokens
0: multiple of the teams and then yeah <laughs> Uh, right, what's next on the list? Oh, I love these. Mm-hmm. Have you seen the star player shop Chaos Dwarfs?
1: Yeah.
2: I'm just having a quick look at them now. They are very nice.
0: Yeah, see, I've got a bit of a thing for Chaos Dwarfs at the moment because they are so hard to find, sort of. <laughs> um, you know, you've either got to buy a full team at £80 plus pounds. There's nothing, there's no mid-range option. Um, and these, where these guys are 6 €7 Euros for the Chaos Dwarf, each Chaos Dwarf. That means you can get your Chaos Dwarfs for thirty quid or whatever, and then you can top it up with goblins and it becomes your team. But the ball centaurs are beastly.
1: Yeah, really nice. Yeah, and two very, very strong poses as well. So you know, they're really individual. And actually pretty reasonable there. So there they're on sale at the moment, the twenty five percent off. Eight ninety six euros, really good.
0: Yeah, well, yeah, well, they're all out of stock at the moment, so that,
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> that's, but, uh, uh, that's... Probably just the high demand, of it. like I said, it's, it's it's one of those things, when, when people do come across a team that does look very nice, it's, it's that thing, they go very fast, yeah, uh, w- yeah. was it Hungry Troll did a nice Chaos Dwarf team as well, and that was in quite uh, high demand for a term, um, but then these, I like, so you can see they are very nice, very unique.
0: Yeah, these and are done... The detail. And they look really classic as well. Nice um, to see some mutations as well. Uh, they've all, I think, they've all so, got mutations, haven't
1: they? Yeah, yeah. So you got a what's that a prehensile tail? I'm guessing is a scorpion tail.
0: Yeah, but, I know. You yeah, could, uh, you could, you uh, mix of horns
1: things. and tentacles,
2: which is nice.
1: Yeah, fantastic. Yeah.
0: So the game, there's there's the rumours of the game's workshop, Chaos Dwarf, um Dwarf going on sale at Christmas. Did you see? <laughs> did, did you see this, Sabim? Yeah, I did see that. It was uh,
2: the whole rumour that the old Chaos Dwarves was uh, coming out on a reprint.
0: Yeah. Now, obviously, we've not seen and heard anything more about that, but with the rumoured release date of the Ogres being on the 14th of December, we're expecting that this weekend we'll see the pre-orders for the following weekend so that, you know, you can pre-order stuff on the 7th. So, it might be that the old stuff will come out very soon for, for the Chaos Dwarves, but these 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 look incredible and they'll probably be the same price range as the uh, as as the games Workshop ones would be if they were being reprinted i think
2: the, yeah it's, it's a bit of a hard one to tell because it's be it, my personal thing is it off what they did the reprint of the star players yes uh for what well, those ones were quite expensive they were for, for was it was a four or five star players
0: um yeah i mean everything they've brought out that's been of the old of the old description has been priced quite heavily i mean look at the hot pot what was the hot pot was it 20 pounds
1: yeah i think craig got one didn't he um, yeah i think
0: i think there was six pounds when it first came out for in, in you know <laughs> in the olden <laughs>
1: days <laughs> but i think i guess um you know because it is out of print you look for uh, what some of this stuff goes for on ebay yeah. and actually you're still making a, a crazy saving if you really want that specific model
0: yeah you're buying stuff you'd pay 35 pounds for on ebay for 20 pounds for straight from games workshop
2: yeah the other side is that nostalgia bit of it yeah
0: <laughs> that's it i mean we were having a conversation in our our blood Bowl group chat today about the the extra price you get on for for something being memorabilia and it's, it's a good 30 <laughs> percent <laughs> and i think that definitely falls into it so yes that is starplayershop.com check out their chaos dwarves they are looking really 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 good um so Gribo games big fan of Gribo games looking forward to their pirates kickstarter being finished and released next year obviously we're, we're very excited to be able to play a part in helping to design one of their their models so their um uh what is it creek rust gouger the, the verminator model
1: yes yeah our, our, our
0: listeners got our listeners got to participate in you know what it should have on it which is really cool so looking forward to those coming out next year but and anybody who watches seven super series or listens to the show will know i'm a huge big guy fan in blood bowl and they've, <laughs> Just and they've yeah yeah in blood bowl uh,
1: <laughs> and
0: um they've released the their Tarmut the fanged king croxagore he,
2: he does look very nice. I, I especially love the uh, the dwarf model that, that he's got impaled on the hand.
1: Oh, my goodness. Yeah, he's, <laughs> yeah, he's grabbing him.
0: <laughs> that is so awesome. Um, so this is a massive, massive Croxagore-looking <clears throat> model. He's got a bit of a small head, but he has got massive, massive arms, and this thing is absolutely terrifying. <laughs> But yeah, so, great, great extra sculpt there with the dwarf.
1: Yes, yeah, so, um, actually, it's not too many parts. You can see there's a little breakdown. Um, you know, when you're comparing it to some of the Forge World kits, where you're having to glue on a ridiculous number of bits. Oh um, no. He's pretty, pretty good. So he's got separate tail legs. He's only got two little claws that are that are separate. He's got,
0: but he's got separate toes at the bottom.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's not too bad.
0: No, no, and it uh, this is. Um... Is this resin or metal? I can't remember. Uh, I
2: think Crevo works solely in metal at the moment.
0: They do, that's fantastic. Uh, lots I, of like, I like metal, <laughs> but yeah, I think so. So he's he is 20 euros, but actually every Games Workshop star player is, you know, 20 pounds or so, and um, the good ones you get from other places, so for example Zizzles from mm. Windsor Chog, yeah, their ogre model, that's, I think that's 16 <clears> pounds. So, that's kind of what you're paying for a big guy these days.
1: I mean, that's a big yeah. model as well.
0: And yes, a chunk of metal. Yeah, so, it is a
2: big chunk of metal I think... I don't know if you guys did... Uh, any, either of you two got in on the Alastor and Kickstarter that they did. No. And some of the big guys from there, it's it's a lot of metal for what they are. I think it was like the Chaos Troll that they had. And it is is quite a hefty model for the size and... For the price i think is well worth it yeah because i think with agree the the one thing I, I i as you said like with the the Rattoga model that you guys were talking about earlier they do listen to the community so there's a lot of them where they listen to the community on different things and variants and everything and the the it's just the quality of the scops which is fantastic
0: they're phenomenal they're almost they're almost unmatched i think they are you know, from a sculpting point of view, probably the, the top dog in the community. You know, there's a few that are very close with it, but I have yet to see a Grebo model that doesn't just look superbly done. Um, but one thing I am, I haven't seen their Zote be released yet. I did see the, the spoilers of the Zote when the Wood Elf Spike came out. But ah, I haven't yeah. seen the model. I haven't seen the model for it yet. So hopefully at some point that'll come out
2: yeah I, I can't wait i've seen they said the the images of it and what the renders are going to be but it's it's going to be tasty
0: yeah absolutely and they've got another little guy out as well called rack the treacherous who is for all intents and purposes uh <laughs> the stabby skink and it's a very very cool model very dynamic um uh yeah i like that one too uh you know it's eight 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 euros for a star <laughs> player it's brilliant so
1: yeah so just to kind of look at him he's got a, a spike on his elbow that he's thrusting uh forward that's a really cool pose
0: it is a very dynamic pose. very
1: very dirty player kind of uh. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so it is very cool that they've got the model to use as hemlock but i have yet to see a company release a pack of two skinks
1: yeah i was just gonna say actually when i saw it in the notes um i wonder if they'll release a, an accompanying player so you can do dribble and drool
0: oh yeah so that will be so good Okay, so that wraps it up for miniatures. Uh, We've got a little shout out here, and that is just from us to say, hey, we have got a Discord. It's pretty active and it's full of absolute Blood Bowl nonsense. So I've put the link in the show notes, and please jump on board, show us what you're working on, tell us what you're playing, and uh, just have a good chat. And then we've got some tournaments to mention. So uh, this tournament, the Elf Olympic Games, is taking place on the 14th of December in Cardiff. It's the next tournament in the SWTC, the Southwest Tournament Series. And um, it's a very cool build. It's a big build. It's 1,400. I am going to be releasing a video detailing the rules pack on that in the next week. So you can have a look and start brewing some lists for that. Um, Should be a really good event. And the next tournament I'd like to mention is our next tournament, which is Beachhead Bowl on the 8th of February next year. Tickets are now live. The rules pack is now live. So I'll make sure that we get a post out over the weekend so you guys know exactly where to go to book your tickets. It's £15 pounds if you book them up this side of the year, uh, this side of the year, just in this year, and then it goes <laughs> up to £20, it goes up to 20 pounds, uh, next year. And it's a 32-man, three-day Blood Bowl event, but it's taking place at a games convention. So your tournament ticket will get you free access to the games convention as well. And with the timings that we're doing at the rounds, basically we're doing the registration early enough so you come in you register and then you've got an hour before the show opens to go around and and do a bit of pre-shopping at all the vendors that's um, a, i
1: mean that's worth the ticket price alone to be honest at some of that, these events that's <laughs> it
0: so so you know you pay the ticket price and then for about five pounds you get to play a blood bowl tournament um, should be a really really good day we've got a lot of prizes and i've worked with uh, whitefoot 3d to make up some what i think are fantastic trophies yes this event. Uh, i showed you guys a preview of it just before we recorded because it came in the post today what do you think of the bonehead trophy
1: it's yes, lovely and it, um, it is very nice good size to it it's it's not a kind of uh one of these flimsy ones you get from a uh, you know a cobbler's come trophy maker <laughs> they always oh, to do that don't they they do keys I, as well but <laughs> i was gonna say
0: i see you do keys <laughs> do you do trophies yeah 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 so and this one is um the one that I've, we've got here is the stunty one which is it's half the size of our regular trophy for the big event but i think that might be uh, might have to scale the big one down a little bit because i think it's a good size i am lucky i'm loving this and we're going to have these trophies at all mm. four of our tournaments next year which is especially wonderful because all of our tournaments next year are going to be linked into a mini tournament series called the bpcc the bonehead podcast coaches championship and uh, we're going to talk in detail about the bpcc next episode but we will absolutely be talking about it when we talk about tournament series a little bit later on and uh, so guys anything else on the tournament front you've seen around that you want to mention uh, like
2: the only other one i said was this weekend was uh christmas chainsaw massacre 2 up in uh, merthyr tidville
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's fantastic so that's happening uh, this coming sunday so the first sunday well. yes OK, well, this podcast is going out on the Saturday. So if you are in the local area and you fancy some blood bowl, I'm sure you can message and have a word.
1: <laughs> yeah, you've got a day to cancel your plans.
0: Yeah, day to cancel <laughs> plans, because let's face it, the Christmas Chainsaw Massacre. Uh, two. Two. Is, it, just sound, <laughs> it sounds such good fun. OK, I think that wraps it up for news. So we better move on to hobby. so the next thing as ever is games hobby and nonsense so guys what have you been playing what have you been buying what have you been building so let's start with sabiel have you been playing any bloodball recently
2: yeah i have obviously like i said it's um a couple of things have been going on like obviously with the local league that we do so we're in playing our fourth season of that at the moment so just normal tv value guys have got a couple of new guys coming in which is good so the community's growing oh that's fantastic um, Decided to run humans this season, so to mix it up a bit rather than because I did uh, a couple of seasons of Ogres, which went quite interesting. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I think uh, we'll talk about that a bit more in detail a bit later.
0: Very much so, yeah.
2: Yeah, so finding the humans interesting, like it's definitely more of a more mobile strategy compared to what um, some of the more previous teams have been playing. Uh, hobby-wise, uh, just painting up a couple of odd star players from random game systems. They don't really play, so just kind of repurposed a lot of the models. Uh, I think my new favorite has been um, Puggy, Big and Breath.
0: Yes. Oh, what are you using for him?
2: It's um, it's from Guild Ball. It is. It's the Greed model. Um, so it's obviously just like quite. He's in that he's basically a little dwarf, but he's running around with um, a straight razor. <laughs> so i use that tend to use that so it's something I quite unique not really seen on the tabletop but it just it stands out a little bit mm.
1: so do you do you play guild ball also or is this just a model that you've seen
2: no I, I played it for a little while but unfortunately it just didn't quite take off
1: mm. i've heard that at the, at about the time period it,
2: and it's like it's it's now it's starting to but with a lot of the guys that play they don't tend to play down at firestorm where everyone else is they tend to tend to keep you into the houses and on other days, which I'm unfortunately not available for.
0: Oh fair enough is them um, is the greed one, the one with the little top hat and, and yes. big, mut- <laughs> big mutton chops. Oh that's fantastic. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that is a very cool model. Now I'm I'm a huge fan of finding models from other ranges to use in Blood Bowl. So especially when you've got a pack of one or two models and you think that guy could be great. So there's one I'm eyeing up from privateer Press, which is this boar headed centaur thing that I'm just like, this is a great hothark so I'm just looking for it. That's why I think I'm probably looking for a Chaos Dwarf team is just so I can run a park <laughs> this time. I found
1: a Minus or I need are, a team. Are you want about
2: yeah. um, Drum and Strang? Uh, he, he's under the Horde's Wreck section of the minions. So basically, uh, basically, it's that part of the faction's mixed between either crocodiles or pigs. Yes. Yeah,
0: yes. So, that, that is it, yeah.
2: Yeah, I, I considered that for a little while but then it was like a kind of went to something else so hopefully when that stuff arrives it'll be quite a monstrous looking team i've got on the table for my chaos (laughs)
0: doors (laughs) sturm and drang yeah from minions this one yeah Um, yeah which is a a dual-headed or massive boar centaur with huge metal hands it just looks like a really cool model that for 16 pounds plus postage just makes a really great individual model for a team um but anyway i digress so just a question how how big is your league like how many players and how many games per season do you normally run
2: it, it varies it does like last season like we had about I think it was about 24 people last season so obviously because it was um how we just went we ran two divisions we did about uh just 11 games on a round on a single round robin and obviously that did progress quite And then this year i think we've had a bit more of uh, a bit more update but we've split it into three divisions oh wow um so it's about nine people per group but then so due to the odd numbers it's each week one person misses out the game but then everyone still plays the same amount so it's going to be a slightly
1: shorter season but with a quicker turnaround then so you you're running quite like a strict schedule of of games there
2: we we run on a two week schedule we do so obviously everyone's got their... So it's because we're coming up to Christmas now I've got a, bit uh, of yeah, yeah. A, lot, a lot of the guys tend to if they're free they kind of like meet up and I just put they just put sideline what their results are for keeping track of it um, but then it's much more so as long as everyone on the tail end is more or less on the same level it works but as say focus on the premise of so that each round get you get two weeks to get your game in that gives everyone plenty of time to get their game in without being pressured or or losing taste for the game which i've seen previously where people just just lose interest and then move away from it
0: yeah you can get burnout can't you where you play a load of games in a quick space of time and then you have to spend that time then having the catch up and in the meantime you end up playing no blood bowl for a few weeks and it can it can um, dilute the group i suppose so yeah. that's cool. That's cool. You've got a massive, uh, massive league, really. That's fantastic.
2: It's one of those things. It's, it's growing. <laughs> that's, that's the main thing. Um, and
0: you, you so play Firestorm, do you
2: play a Firestorm user. Yeah, we tend to play a Firestorm. Like I said some of the guys tend to meet at the the houses and play like I said main main places. Like I said Firestorms so because I think since Firestorm moved into the new premises a few years ago, it's it's definitely a lot more tournaments have been happening, and obviously across the multiple systems. Thing, yeah. Uh, Welsh Open is now moving there um, I think obviously I've run it there there's a couple of other one days that tend to run at Firestorm yeah and it's just kind of like a quite good all, all-inclusive venue for what it is
0: it's dangerous when you find a really good location because it does just tempt you to play more and more tournaments yes um, um, we, we've got Entoyment in Pool which support us on the show a great deal and we run three tournaments there each year now and it's such a great shop, unfortunately for us down in Wobble, it's it's about a 45 50 fifty-minute drive, which is just a little bit too much for too often. But for a one-dayer, it's perfect.
2: Yeah, it, it's it's finding the right balance between a venue and what you can do.
1: Yeah, yeah, there's yeah. definitely some really good um, Welsh tournaments on the AOS scene that I'd love to get to, but again, it's just that um, it's a big commitment. And the, some of these run at Firestorm as well, and I've just heard really good things about it.
0: Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, we mentioned that, I think, a few weeks ago, didn't, a few episodes mm. ago. Yeah, when
1: games. we mentioned Football, yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah, Yeah. so
2: obviously, like I said, Football ran there the, the other day. Was, uh, yeah, I remember you like, briefly talked on the subject of it. It's going to be a bit tight with the, the four games. It was a bit tight, but I think for the most part, a lot of the guys did enjoy it. Feedback has been generally quite good um unsure on the atv rule set yeah um,
0: yeah what was what, what what did the guys think
2: it's some of the guy it's it, it came down to the discussion of some people not wanting to bring their really high-ranked teams down to i said this sort of because a lot of people are bringing a lot of skew teams in um i think a couple of guys did bring i think uh, ctu came second place he brought his um, pro elves down i think he was and he I I I unfortunately had to play in the first game with my ogres and so it was like his uh, <laughs> two hundred odd ranked uh, pro elves versus my hundred and forty ogres and did not end well.
0: So that's interesting. So one of the bits of feedback was that it um that because it it adjusts the tier levels essentially a little bit more than the other rules set that it can impact on the NAF rankings. Is that what the guys were kind of, is that what some of the feedback was?
2: There was some of the feedback, but then it's the other side. It's, it, it, it changes things up I'm saying that's the main positive on ATV. It means that you start to see a lot of builds, a lot of teams that you don't normally see at tournaments. And we had um, a vampire, a couple of human teams as well. Um, and was strong showing of Chaos and Dwarf teams, which was surprising.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So this is the um, all teams viable format that's uh, come from Denmark and it um has different ways of balancing the teams it's very similar to i I wonder if it if this was what the world cup started as the world cup rule set started as um because it's it's a very similar kind of ilk
2: yeah it it does seem like that i think the the one thing that does become a bit confusing on is how they use the the gold bar system
0: oh yeah the gold bars
1: so um, i used to love those biscuits (laughs) <laughs> yeah, so there was there was a
2: few issues with that. Obviously, we had to kind of like manually adjust and double check on that. Oh, um, wow. But then we resolved most of those issues. But I think the other side, rather than using gold bars, you could just put it into that extra cash for those tiers. But I think it's, I think with the Excel sheet that they had, it just worked out easier just to incorporate gold bars for it. But obviously, so, like I say, it's, they they yeah. they work on it each year and just try to make it more smoother and streamline it as best they can.
0: It is, it is a cool idea and the spreadsheet, as a, I'm a huge spreadsheet fan, but um, their spreadsheet is really well done and it makes the complicated rules set, it's weird, it just it puts the rules into the spreadsheet, so you're kind of just using the spreadsheet to figure out the rules rather than the other way around. So, um, I mean, Ian, we, we had we had some problems with our Fobble Wobble World Cup
1: rule sets, didn't we? <laughs> well, not from our side, I must say, you know. <laughs> yeah, well, that's because I was But we there, had you explaining you know. it, talking us through it, yeah. I think yes. it was just um, getting because obviously it's uh, the the World Cup is a three day and it's got uh, various rules for the different days in terms of the team composition. Um, so just kind of getting across what could take what uh, and when <laughs> and when and how much. I think probably the biggest confusion came from the minimum spend on the team, uh, yes. which which yeah. had to include uh, you know like your things like fan factor and so on and your players. Uh, away from your skills so the skill pot as it were um yeah. kind of getting how much is that skill pot just making and, that really clear
0: and it was really great going through that because actually i got to adjust the rules for beachhead bowl based on the feedback that i'd seen from the world cup rule set and from literally going through it with our group because it was just a case of actually you know what it's way way simpler if you have part a is team value you buy things and part b is skills
1: yeah and, and that's the thing i mean yeah a lot of people are probably listening to this saying, you know, what how on earth did you find that confusing? But I guess <laughs> yeah. if you don't if you're not someone who is a regular tournament player and is just kind of dipping their toes in, um kind of getting that as the pack without it being kind of really clearly broken down, you know, can be confusing and we want to encourage lots of uh, new players to come, so anything that makes it a bit more accessible is great.
2: Yeah, I think that that's a key point there is is finding a balance between how I said, like with anything is making things work. As uh, the obviously, because um, Christmas Chainsaw, which you mentioned earlier, that's using a similar thing. So you've got X amount then to spend on your team and then extras then for skills or additional star players.
0: Yeah, yeah. it's And that's one thing I absolutely love about Blood Bowl is how each tournament is really unique. But I do think, uh, very similar to Steve from the Both Down podcast, that, there's, that, that some kind of standardised tournament rules for us to just use and then make adjustments to... For, you know, your, your primary NAF tournaments, I think it's, it might be a really good idea. And that's, you know, what we spoke about a few episodes mm. ago. So, so lovely. Sorry, Ian, after you.
1: Yeah, no, I was just going to um, ask Sabiel, because obviously a big factor of your food bowl was the kind of charity food bank aspect. And yes. I just kind of wanted to know how that went and uh you know how people felt about that and kind of how well supported it was on
2: the charity side of it there was i said a very strong amount of support as i said obviously we had a a good amount because it originally started with just um this starting just mainly for the purpose of blood ball but then it was like under the whole thing i was just thinking about why not open it up so i spoke to one of my mates uh about possibly running the necromunda side of it as well Mm. and really his response was i don't know i don't think we'll get much response and then it was like within <laughs> three weeks i think we had more necromunda players signed up and paid for than we did have blood ball at that period <laughs> well
0: well to to be fair that's because it was an ambot brawl
1: which, yes
0: <laughs> which was awesome so ian i haven't had a chance to show you this but Sabil sent me a load of photos and there's so many cool ambot conversions
1: ah oh, uh, yes so, so i'm was, currently uh, working on this
0: yeah you're, you're building an orc one at the moment aren't you
1: yeah orc big mech
0: yeah, it's, it's, they're such cool models. It's the equivalent of saying in Blood Bowl, do you know what we're going to do? We're going to have three games of sevens and then a big guy bash. You know? and, <laughs> and I think that might be my perfect Blood Bowl tournament. <laughs> uh, I,
2: I think that's an idea you might have to run in the future then.
1: <laughs> well, so. a, there is some really good side games out there, and uh, one of my favourites I've seen from AOS, but it is actually based, based on Blood Bowl is Griffhound Racing. So it uses a Blood Bowl board, Blood Bowl skills, and you've got to race your uh, your griff which is kind of your bird dog, up and down the pitch, <laughs> pecking at each other. But uh, I think little side games like that really bring a tournament to life. I think so, too. So how much did you guys raise in the end, Sabil?
2: In total, I think it, was, it came to about £592 after the after the raffle and everything, and then the little bit of the expenses. And then obviously, so I rounded that up to, in total, about £600 then. So it's it a fantastic amount. Yeah,
1: really good, showing. really
0: good. That is absolutely and,
2: brilliant. Yeah, and I said, drop that off. to the, They're very appreciative of that. And I, it, was, it was one of the things I did, I did speak to him and said, do you want us to buy your "Because," And he said, because it's the time of year, they tend to get a large amount of donations. Yes, yeah, but yeah. the money, they said, was it's good because they can put in an account. And times of year when it does get quiet, they've then got that money to draw on, to, to, to fill up their stocks when they're low.
0: And I've got to be honest you've you've inspired me because in my actual real life job I work with uh, my company works with food bank to do food donations every single day so actually you doing that with the food bank and seeing what can be done as part of the hobby is something I really want to look at next year Um, and because I think you've you've just genuinely inspired me
1: well if you if you need a contact Ben my father-in-law helps run one of the food banks in Fairham
0: uh, does he really? I might yes. actually already work with his lot.
1: You might cause, do, yeah. Uh,
0: yeah, because because the Locks Heath store, we, yeah. Oh, that's really interesting.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I think you see this. Like a couple of the guys, like when they did first announce the tournament, they said it's a lot of the, obviously we all want to go just generally for our own amusement and everything. But it's a few of the guys have said it was like lunch money. Said I'm putting it. He put it on the circuit because he goes, it's a, it's a charity tournament, but it, it's for a good cause because. A lot of the guys are saying we need more charity tournaments, and a lot yeah. of the guys they'll go to, they'll go to a whole thing. Threadball is probably one of the main ones I know of that does it. Yeah, and they generally raise quite a fair amount for the for the charities and everything. Um, I think was it symbol now they've been out and they they, I they they have a target of raising about a thousand pound. I think he was.
0: That's awesome. Wow. Well, um, do you know what the the worst way to raise charity would be if running a Blood Bowl tournament is apparently the World Cup. <laughs> um, so, but uh, it's good to know that you know you can't make a lot of profit running a tournament, but if you include it in charity and it lowers the costs and gets engagement, you can, and I think that's great. Um, so, yeah, superb job running that, and the feedback seems to have been great. And I'm just, you've done a great thing for the hobby, and more importantly for the Cardiff Food Bank.
2: Yeah, I think uh, the only thing now is I got everyone asking me mean, when what have we have they sorted out the dates for ne- for the next for, for next year's <laughs> one. <laughs>
0: Well, you need to get on that, I think, because I, I would love to attend. And uh, as it's uh, as it's at Firestorm Games, I think I'll trick Ian into coming as well.
1: Uh,
0: yeah, cool. So, lovely job. Um, Ian, how about you? Have you been playing any Blah Blah?
1: Yeah, I've actually had a bit of a an upsurge lately, which has been really nice. Um, so, if people have been watching the uh, the YouTube channel, you would have seen the games that we played last week.
0: Oh, uh, in the semi-finals the
1: semi-finals for the super sevens and honestly that was such a blast
0: they were two absolutely brilliant games and i just oh yeah thank you for joining me for those ones and thank you for playing so brilliantly because complete upset complete fun awesome
1: <laughs> love me some halflings and it's actually inspired me to uh, pop some on my christmas list so uh, looking oh. forward to playing some of them next year oh, that's uh, so good on the painting side uh yeah i've been kind of getting stuck back into my nurgle um because i sort of started them a while back and and i've just had a bit of a, a surge to get get them finished so i'm pretty close now which would be really yeah. nice to have the finished team
0: and thank you for letting me borrow them to film uh, dungeon ball sevens with rick and that video should be up next week as well which was quite cool
1: there you go well you can see them on the channel and you can <laughs> uh, give me your feedback before i finish the team
0: <laughs> so so the downside of the nurgle team is that in the league that how, how, how are they performing <laughs>
1: yeah i think you know now that we've got lewis to winning ways with the gyms these guys are the new gyms so i'm on zero wins currently uh just i had a bit of a bad start when richard killed my beast of uh beast of nurgle like literally killed yeah so no regen no nothing so that was a bad start i've got i've got my ag4 pestigore now though so it's very cool that's great played his first game it was raining
0: so you couldn't do anything anyway
1: good no slippy ball uh but you know i've got one of my uh my bloaters to um block and mighty blow now so hopefully we'll start accelerating a bit of progress now
0: that's good i mean nurgle are a really slow burn team aren't they that's why they end up being the bottom of tier two or you know you know in most tournaments um so yeah looking forward to seeing how you break the gym's curse with these guys
1: (laughs) Yeah, I think just uh, a few more games of getting two SPP every uh, every game, or uh, slowly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'll it's
2: you, uh, that, that or you've got to go for the the, the mad plays of uh, pest, uh, bloater uh, completions and everything.
1: Yeah, yeah. I'll get them get them handling the ball, shall I? Absolutely. <laughs> <It laughs> <works>. plus passes.
0: <laughs> Absolute so on the blood bowl games place uh front i got to play those two excellent semi-finals of seven super series with you in and um, yes. i got to, i got to film a cool uh, a cool game of dungeon bowl sevens using the rule set from um river city dungeon bowl 2 which is a tournament that's taking place in america in december um and it's a really cool rule set they've got the set pitches so i got one printed out uh from a Architectural planning place. I was like, that's a, that's a cheeky way of doing it. Got three of those made for 25 pounds. That's like, clever. <laughs> Resourceful. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and honestly, it was really good fun. It didn't really feel like sevens um, because in Dungeon Bowl, you play with this kind of smaller pitch and you've got a smaller amount of players on the pitch in the first place. So it kind of just felt like Dungeon Bowl, but just with a shorter roster. But the mm. game itself was fun. And once you figure out that actually it starts creating two square lanes and if you want to play defense in two square lanes it can get really gnarly so it was a good fun game i got destroyed using your nurgle so uh, i'm hoping the curse (laughs) has has stayed with you and not transferred over to me
1: well i mean Um, you've got an excuse now at least
0: (laughs) (laughs) that said i did get to play a game of blood bowl at our club this week which doesn't happen very often and um it was against dan and dan's playing in the major league with his tb 1550
1: orcs yeah uh, a nasty piece of work man
0: they are brutal so i brought back from season four i brought back the nurgle nogas my nurgly ogre team made of nurglings
1: <laughs> and nurgling guys.
0: piles it's such a cool team they're great fun and um i managed to win one nil with them great. it was a great game it, it was absurd again it was raining Uh, I got to use a ton of inducements. So I got the bomber, which is uh, in my team, uh, a little nurgling riding around on a tiny tiger tank. Um, He's my bombardier. (laughs) (laughs) He was throwing little scud missiles and taking people out. And um, yeah, my five ogres. And then I got to bring on. um, Oh, golly, Brick, Favre and Grotty. And although Grotty stacked it in the first two or three turns, it was out for the rest of the game. (laughs) Brick Bath was awesome and, yeah, managed to put out the Um, 1-0. It was was really good.
1: Hopefully, after um, Sabile's words of wisdom, we can push that into 2-0, 3-0. Oh, that's the dream. That's the dream. (laughs) Potentially. I mean,
2: my ogres have had some high-scoring games, which has been interesting.
1: Oh, this
0: is it. And this is why we've, you know, tricked you into coming on the show, because we had a chat, didn't we, about about some bits of bobs, and you happened to mention that you, what was it, you, you came second or first in the league with your ogres
2: no no it was um in the second season that i ran them they made it to the playoffs
0: oh see that's just as good yeah yeah that's just as good which yes it's so good and i was like oh good you are this is this would be very useful to have you talking about the ogres um (laughs) and before we move on that is anyone building anything special at the moment
2: um i the, the only thing i did build the other day was the chaos fluffers from
0: Gribo. oh they're the the little bunny guys
2: yes uh, I, I picked up those guys which i'm going to be using as uh, quite a devilish looking halfling team
1: oh that's an awesome <laughs> idea well i i felt the wrath of the uh, the penguins the other night okay. so uh, i imagine the bunnies would just make it even worse i,
2: I do i do like the penguins i think the only thing that I mean, puts it off for me is uh, the the big guy for the penguins it's it's that's too much musculature for yeah, anything
1: he's quite a burly uh, emperor penguin isn't he? yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh tiff tiff's seen these teams and she loves
0: them so i think that the next uh football team i tell her i'm gonna buy will yeah. be one of those
1: ones yeah. so buy, buying her the nurgle <laughs> didn't work then
0: uh, well i didn't i didn't buy her the nurgle team i used it as wrapping paper which oh, was, was, which was a, a a relationship gamble that paid off and she ended up agreeing to marry me so i just i cannot stress enough that uh using blood Bowl teams as wrapping paper will change your life for the better
1: <laughs> i'm not sure if it wasn't despite instead of, you know because of
0: but hey. yeah uh, yeah maybe it was just our first real test um <laughs> lovely job right guys if that wraps it up for goody bits and whatnot then we'll move on to our first topic. So on to our first topic of the episode, or first big topic of the episode, is gonna be Bonehead Basics Ogre Teams. <coughs> so the new ogre team from Games Workshop is coming very, very soon. We've seen the spoilers. We know the rumoured release date is the 14th of December. And um, we thought we wanted to make sure that we got everyone got the lowdown on running ogres as soon as possible so like we said earlier we're joined by an infamous ogre coach today to talk all about them Um, we're not sure what's coming in the way of changes as in new positionals and definitely new stars or at least removal of stars if the last spike magazine is anything to go Mm. by but we thought we'd talk about them as they are now and then when the spike magazine releases we can talk about the inducements and any roster changes there because actually what we've seen is that the core lists stay the same they just add a little bit or change a little bit so what we talk about now will should be applicable and you know what if they change it up so that it isn't then we get a whole new team to talk about so i'm happy with that so what we'll do is we'll do the same thing we do all the time for bonehead basics we will talk through the positionals and there's a whole two of them on this team and <laughs> we'll talk about uh, development with a, with a skew on league Uh, which is what we primarily do Uh, we'll talk about some standard rosters some standard ochre tactics and the key star players and inducements so we're not going to go through the full list just the top one or two that you need to be aware of and we'll talk through a couple of tournament builds or what they're good for so if you guys are ready we will start going through the roster okay so uh i think we should start with the most important player the snotlings. No, no, no. <laughs> uh, actually, they're noblars. Well, they're, they're called runts now, I think, but we'll, we'll, we'll come back to those in a minute. So, Ogre teams, we have got nought to six Ogres. They're 140,000 each, movement five, strength five, edge two, armor nine, bonehead, mighty blow, thick skull, throw teammate, no loner, which is fantastic on this team. Mm
2: it's it's a nice thing it's in in a similar sense to the the halfling treatment not having the loner
0: aspect exactly honestly if they had loner this team would be absolutely horrible but Mm. they don't so although this is i think ogre is the worst ranked team is that right yeah yeah okay although it is the worst team you know what not having a loner on the ogres means that you can, you can still spend the rerolls and you still get to play the game and try stupid stuff. And it's actually, I really love that. They don't have the, the, the loner on it. So these guys, you can, you can have up to six on the roster and we'll talk about team builds in in a minute, but we've seen ogres on, you know, on the human team and on the chaos pack team. These guys are great at smashing. So we're going to talk league development with them. So, um, what uh, what upgrades are we looking at straight off the bat for ogres when you get the chance? It,
2: it's a toss up between guard and break tackle in my opinion.
0: I think that is a very very fair mm. shout. So, all right, let's pose the question. You roll the double. What do you go for?
2: First double I went for was jump up.
0: Oh, wow. okay, yeah. On on the ogres.
2: Yeah. <clears throat> really.
0: Well, only on the
2: one really, because I think this team is, the my 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 team has only rolled three doubles, so I think the first roll roll I got, we've already had brick tackle, so it instantly turned into a jump up on that. Um, interesting. He's constantly mobile then.
1: Yeah, so he's, he's kind easy, of a pseudo joker. Mm.
2: And it, he's a bit of a nightmare to pin down.
0: That's really quite interesting. I would have thought that. <laughs> Once you've got the break tackle on there, the, the double would have been would have been dodge.
2: Dodge, yes, uh, it's, it, it did did consider that, but it's it's the same thing. It's personal experience. As soon as you give a player dodge, it becomes useless. They never need it,
1: and, <laughs> and you just, just, just roll straight up. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, no, that is a really fair shout. But we're not going to we're not going to bury the lead here. Block uh, on an ogre is a fantastic, wonderful thing. Yes. Um,
2: it, it's a great safety piece then
0: yeah good in defense good on offense and it does help you farm even more spps because these guys can be tough to score touchdowns with even though edge two is really quite fine and that's uh that's something i found in running my ogres over a couple of seasons and running them on bb2 is that <laughs> you know edge two is edge two is just all right it, edge two is just fine you can still do plenty of stuff with edge two
2: yeah it's it, it's one of the funny things i found it's obviously like you're saying we take break tackle but the number of times you've made the dodge and you've done it on your basic agility you you think why have i bothered with break tackle
0: uh, well yeah I, that's really fair actually because you you don't have the loner so you can use the team rerolls. now the team rerolls cost more than most houses but um you know you still get that and a cheeky four plus is is a really is a decent dodge away, however, mm. edge five edge five when you're using break tackle is, is pretty awesome
1: for cage, yeah. Because go. I guess, yeah, that's it, you're not just dodging away, but to be able to use it aggressively to dodge into um tackle zones, yeah. yeah dod,
2: I've done it, it's been useful for that surprise dodge into a cage for a sack,
0: mm. yeah, absolutely. You're, you're dodging into what into one two tackle zones, they're good odds, and um, you know. If you're blitzing anywhere with a strength five piece, you're very likely to get two dice if you chuck those supports in. Um, so, it, you know, uh, I'm a huge fan of break tackle. And you know what? Guard as well, if you're not going to roll the doubles, like you say, is a really great piece because it will help protect your line. And what's better than strength two snotlings?
2: The occasional strength three. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Exactly. Just going guard on everybody. So, um what other skills uh, on ogres have we seen that, uh, or we consider to be quite useful or worth worth paying attention to?
2: If if you if you're limited to just your basic strength, um, a guard, none of the guard, right? The a juggernaut tends to work quite nicely. Mm. Yeah, because well, kind of if you don't blocks. get that double for the block, you have got that safety in the juggernaut for the blitzes then.
0: Yeah, it's it's almost a shame that Frenzy is a general skill, not a strength skill. Um, yes. Because although Frenzy is a terrible thing at times, I mean, having a team of loads of hornless Minotaurs would be great fun. <laughs>
1: um, I have mean, have you...
0: you... No, go for it, Ian.
1: So I was going to say, have you... Uh, do you consider tooling one up as a bit more of a thrower, throw team-mater? So you go for, like, strong arm or anything like that?
2: It's... It's been, I, the way I've played my ogres, because they tend to carry the ball, I, I don't put much emphasis on snotlings getting any skills or any star player points. I think I've had three snotlings that went up and got skills and then they immediately died the next game. <laughs> and that's, and that's, that's just the randomness of it, I think. Um, so I don't put any value, so I tend to focus carrying the ball on my ogres. Mm. So, when you're going it's, with the, that whole premise, it's I've done a few pass plays with the ogres, not the smartest thing.
0: But, uh, but, edge two is still fine, and that's the whole point is that, yeah, yeah, you can still do those things. And you're right, if you can get the ball on an ogre, um although block is a great defensive skill, strength five is its own defensive skill,
1: yes, for all um, purposes. But, I mean, yeah. if, if you're doing that with ogres, then um sort of in the in the bigger numbers would you ever go sure hands on a double
2: yes i think i, I think i definitely would because it gives you that safety because like, whereas other teams get that easy access to the um strip ball
1: yes it, That's it, a, yeah.
2: it becomes a nice thing like i say, if you do you, you get one or longer dedicated as your ball carrier
1: mm. well and even like ben was saying for the for the re-roll cost just having that kind of inbuilt re-roll to even pick up the ball which is a harder for ogres to do than other teams
0: so talking of reroll costs uh have you ever used pro on an ogre e-
2: yes once or twice but it, like i said it's the other side of it it's when you prioritize in your doubles pro falls very very far down the line mm,
1: yeah
0: I, I i'm with you i think i think you know block uh, sure hands are both great uses of a, of, a, of a double dodge as well and now I, you know dodge in conjunction with break tackle is fantastic it's great fun but also as a defensive skill um you know it's 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 essentially minus one to hit and i know that ian's a, a big proponent of that being a filthy amazon coach um <laughs> but you know actually having dodge on a black hawk or or an or an ogre if you can do it first of all it helps you with that four plus gives you the reroll to dodge away with your natural agility and then when they do square up to you with a big guy or someone with dauntless or something they're having to roll that extra you know that it reduces the chance of them popping you down by half
2: yeah i'll, I'll give you that because it's a few times i have induced uh, bertha for example she's got dodge mm.
0: that is exactly it dodge break tackle with a strength five piece is is a heck of a yeah, a job, you know, heck of a
2: ball sacker. Yeah, so it, it does, it does have its merits, but I, I, as you are saying, I said with the whole thing like pro, it's it's with a lot of the skills, but the 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 ones you do want, you're relying on those doubles, and then that's 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 the crux of it. With the they're they're a solid big guy team with some randomness.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, and it's even like I said now, it's yes, you you, you become very limited on what you go with skill-wise obviously it's like i said the guard is a key thing yeah um grab is an interesting one because if you come up against elves uh, or or skaven for example they tend to chuck in a few of the odd side steppers just for that point. Yeah. and when you're getting pinned on yogas I think the only way to really kind of neglect that is by chucking on a couple of grabs absolutely um but then obviously it's the multi-block pairs nicely with the mass guard that you tend to put out as well
0: that's mm. it I, I think you're right i think multi-block is fantastic but you've got to have a couple of guard pieces in there uh and then you've basically got a free extra ogre you know if you're making all those blocks and you've got guard supports then it's 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 brutal
2: uh but yeah that's 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 the key key, key facts as like i said it's you, you try to be competitive with ogres but it's, you're going to get that one turn several
0: turns oh he just lets you down
2: (laughs) oh oh, you're all nothing but boneheads
1: yes yeah yeah
0: and the great thing about the team is that you're not really playing to win you're playing to stop the other person from winning and by just (laughs) having a great time but pulling off either ridiculousness or just maiming and you know what once the ogres are leveled up they become a real mighty team you know you get five six ogres you know and So I managed, my team's got five ogres and I induced brick farth. So I was running my six ogres. And you know what? They were great. I controlled the pitch. I, you know, dealt some serious damage to a TV 1500 plus orc team. And I didn't feel completely destroyed. I felt like these monsters were just monstering their own way. It was like herding massive cats with strength five. It was cool.
1: (laughs) Well, actually, I mean... (laughs) i kind of had a similar experience at the uh our fobble wobble tournament because i played a really good ogre player you did uh, and with amazons and and he beat me uh because he controlled the pitch really really well and he managed to kind of outstrength me and kind of corral me to one side of the board and it was uh i mean it was a real masterclass actually he was a great player
0: a lovely guy and a beautiful team as well
1: i know it's really annoying <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah but wobble still managed to weak out the win um, the 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 only other skill that I really like is um and this requires you to be a have a guy that's dedicated to throw is brick farth has nerves of steel, and um yeah, that's really cool for throwing teammate because I, I had this moment in my game where I had two orcs base my guy, and I was like, yeah that's absolutely fine, like mm-hmm. he's the corner of the cage um and your ball carrier is in the middle of the ogre cage and it doesn't matter he's still throwing you know you still got that you know cheeky 2 plus 4 plus you know success
1: um, i guess maybe 9 out of 10 times that you can achieve that with break tackle as in uh, just dodging out of the tackle zone to then throw
0: yeah i think i think nerves is like if you've had your fourth it's, double and you don't know where it's else it's a nice to do. extra. Yeah, it's <laughs> yeah,
2: it's, 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 cool. it, it, it's it it us to it just throws in that little bit of oddity that your opponent probably doesn't really expect.
1: No, absolutely.
2: And as I say, it's I say our food ball because I, I induced I had brick and forth for that tournament.
0: Oh, brilliant! And I
2: think it was one game it let me down where brick rolled a one for through. Oh, and. In all fairness, it cost me the win against Amazons. Oh wow!
0: <laughs> Turns out it's a bit of a, a bit of a mighty clash that ogres versus Amazons. Mm. Everyone loves an underdog.
2: Yes, <laughs> but it's it's funny. It's like between tournament play. It's like it's as I said, it's league play. As you said, is the thing with Ogres, Yeah, you're playing. But it's, here's the thing. I see it. It's if ogres win a game, your opponent just lost to ogres Yeah,
1: it's um is, is and, yeah and yeah if you, for that. if you pull up a draw you technically won oh uh, yeah and this is my philosophy lose, with goblins yeah your opponents beat an, an ogre
2: team so what
0: yeah exactly <laughs> it's the stunty mantra it's amazing yeah. it's uh you, you you know you're bringing out this team and you're like look i'm gonna have a great time the pressure's on you to win <laughs> yeah
1: yeah you're getting to lose mate <laughs> yeah
0: it's exactly it so that's ogres who are the star of the show so we are looking at utilizing that strength Going for the casualties, going for the strength play, and just just being solid and controlling. But the snotlings are the really interesting part of the team. So they are really almost complete and utter garbage. Uh, so let's have a quick look at them. So snotlings or runts, as they're called these days. 0 to 16. They are 20,000 each. They are the cheapest player in the game. Movement five, strength one, agility three armor five so they melt in the face of opposition basically um so i've run the ogres in 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 the league literally to play against new players to give them a good opportunity to build up some spps and to you know have a bit of spice but the skills they come with dodge right stuff sidestep stunty and titchy so the best thing about these guys is they are just flying anywhere you like on a two plus with a reroll and that is a tough pill to swallow for your opponents.
2: <laughs>
0: it it is.
2: It's it's you'll have games where a snotling just won't go down.
1: Oh yeah, you're just playing ping pong with them sometimes. And with that with that sidestep as well, it just really frustrating. Oh, it's such good fun though, as the overcoach.
2: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it, it, it's it's a it's a nice thing. Against, I like, say we mentioned frenzy earlier. It's a nice little thing to mess around with a frenzy player.
0: Oh, that's amazing. I've not had the chance to do that. That is so much fun.
1: <laughs> yeah. This way. <laughs> yeah.
0: So yeah, although they're strength one and um armour five, that integral dodge reroll um dodge reroll, that integral dodge defense on you know, when they're being blocked against, it, it, it does it, it is it's armour of itself. It's incredible.
1: wow yeah, you're looking at a normal <laughs> human lineman, say. He's getting, uh, you know, three dice still, but you know, unless he gets a pow, yeah, uh... it's, for, it's for nothing. Now, <laughs> yeah. when you
0: start, when you start running against blocks, that's when they start melting. So I can't imagine that dwarves are a very good team to play against with ogres. Well, no. No. Ta- tackle that block. <laughs> tackle a block. They are just going to farm Squash. those nothing. Yeah. But um the, the really great thing about the snotlings is that they are twenty thousand, so you can afford a billion of them. If they die, it doesn't matter. If they die and you get a journeyman in a league that is a snotling it doesn't matter as well, because the main thing you're doing with them is dodging, and they've got the dodge reroll, so you don't necessarily feel the loss of it because you need to roll what one, two, three, four, four ones in your little dodge session for that to be a problem, um, and. You know, I've I've had great success with these guys scoring touchdowns, and not necessarily off throws. Obviously, I throw more than I should, and anyone who's watched uh, seven Super Series will absolutely testify to that. Um, but yeah, so to be all these guys, what what are your learnings with regards to snotlings on your team? S-
2: snotlings, they they're there to get in the way. They they get in the way before the ogres have really got skills. They're integral for getting those three dice blocks where you can um yes it's the the titchy part of it means that people don't really care about them for the purpose of dodging but it's the fact that they're still in the way they're forcing those dodge rolls that's that's the key point of it um and then the other side of it it's the they're your safety player if the ogres fail to pick up the ball
0: Yeah, yeah absolutely i i normally try and pick up the ball with the snotlings so i can build the cage with the ogres but you know, when the ogre ends up with the ball, it's not a bad thing at all. But just having that extra player that can then make a break for it with a bunch of two pluses, it, it, it's really good. So let's talk about levelling these because you said you've had a couple and they've all died immediately. But let's pretend <laughs> the plan wasn't for them to die. Um, what what do you do with them?
2: If you get a double, no questions, take a block.
1: Yeah, blodge. <laughs>
2: yes it's still strength one but a strength one blodge piece with sidestep is extremely annoying
0: and real tough to take down yeah so I do have a great a great story I went to Birmingham brawl last year and I it was my first proper full-on big I say big medium NAF tournament and I was like you know what I, I can't be dealing with the stress of taking my skaven and getting my little heart broken i'm just going to run my Nurgle nogas and i'm just going to have fun and i'm going to throw off the tournament casualty curve that was my goal so i took these and i had one spare double and i had uh, so i gave wrestle to a snotling and my my goal for that entire tournament was to wrestle uh, something with a snotling and i ended up in my <laughs> second game running in there with this wrestle snotling And he wrestled the ball carrier down to the ground and I managed to steal the ball and I got the win at a tournament. And it was, it was fantastic. So now if I ever get a chance to have a double with a Snotling, I think I have to go for wrestle because it is absolutely (laughs) suboptimal because block is a, is far better in every way, but I love two die, three die uphill wrestle blocking. It's just so much fun. And just to be able to run this guy in there uh, two plus two plus two plus, and then I'll go for the three die wrestle, and just the opportunity to pull that off.
2: <laughs> no, but he, he, here's the thing though. with a Snotlin, the wrestle actually becomes more more useful, because it's it's in in tournament play, it's people target the Snotlins just because they know that they can then try and tie down the ogres.
0: Absolutely. And
2: normally the players then doing those blitzes on the Snotlins to remove them tend to be your blitzers, so orcs, you've got your, your blitzers, you've got high elves, war dancers, I've had war dancers go after a snotling.
0: Oh wow, that's just mean.
2: Just because just they know it's the brittle armour, but then anyway, you chuck that wrestler on it, you've got a war dancer on the floor.
0: <laughs> and then you've got and a bunch of 20k guys to come in and foul.
2: Yeah, so, so in that instance, I think the wrestler on the snotling actually proves that to be more viable than, than the uh, the block.
1: Well, yeah, because actually it's, yeah, it's more valuable to have their player on the floor than your standing. Yeah. <laughs> but unless it's a half
0: halfling, literally by a two to one team value ratio as well. I mean, can you imagine that? Wrestling at 120k Wood Elf down to the ground with your 50k Snotling. It's just so fun. Um, so let's 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 think about not rolling that double because it doesn't happen as often as it should. Um for these guys' regular skills, I'm personally thinking jump up or sprint. But what have you found that works well?
2: Uh, diving tackle's a nice one. If I said if, you, if you're planning in the mind of just getting your snotlings in the way, diving tackle becomes a nice skill. Mm. And That's, it does yeah. even make the an elf player think about it more.
0: Because, yeah, they, they dodge away. Then you chuck on that, that, that modifier and it, it can get really horrible quite soon. Yeah, so it, 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 turns, it
2: turns a two plus a dodge into a four plus, but and it's something that the elves then have to consider and take seriously,
0: because the idea is that most of the age four players don't actually have the dodge skill because it's you know two plus without a reroll or three plus with a reroll with the Rangile players, you know for your two your two main classes of people who are likely to dodge away, and you're, you're exactly right. It makes it makes that elf as tough to dodge away
1: as an ogre. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so, just, just a quick um, clarification point. Uh, so, with diving tackle, you they roll the dice, then you choose if you apply it. Yes. If, if the, they then use the re-roll, does that modifier sta- uh, stand for the re-roll? It, it stays at
2: the, the higher difficulty, because yep. you've Great. decided to use diving
0: tackle. Yeah. The idea, though, is that if they take that dodge and fail the roll anyway, your guy gets to stay stood up.
1: Yes. Um, yeah, if, yeah.
0: They, if they pass it, you can choose to apply the modifier, and your guy goes to the ground. And then, they if they if they spend the dodge reroll or whatever to reroll it, it's still as hard as it you've made it by putting your uh, tiny strength one guy laying down. Which yeah, uh, you it gives
1: you a lot of power actually, doesn't it? in, in terms of when when to use it, because you can basically see is it going to succeed.
0: Yeah, and the, the the downside, however, is that it, it forces them to make uh, at least a three die block <laughs> against you instead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you've got to use those skill ups regularly now for example a goblin team when you get a level up generally speaking you don't keep the the goblins you tend to sack them off so that you can get the you know the extra tv difference in inducements for for bribes or whatever and just to keep your team value low with snotlings i find it very difficult now if one dies i don't care but if one levels up they become immediately unnecessarily important to me <laughs> yes because they've achieved and something great <laughs> th- th-
2: this falls into one of the other side of the new rumours that are apparently coming out about Snotlands in that they're getting a new skill edition uh, yeah it's rumoured that they're going to be getting the, the skill expendable only for league play where they don't count towards team value that
0: wow crazy
1: that would really shake things up
2: so yeah so for the purpose of like i said when you are running the league so, so you get your snotlings you give them these skills and then yeah so obviously you get your block or you get your strength as to be honest if, if you get a plus strength on a snotlin i'd probably be more likely to take it if that if that rumor does come through on that skill
1: well you'd then, be you'd just have a full bench all the time wouldn't you yeah basically yeah which yeah. is amazing because that's one of the weaknesses, well, isn't it? Just... it?
0: It is and it isn't because the idea is you only ever want to really run at fourteen so that you can induce a star player in there. And if they're not adding team value, then it kind of gives you even more money to buy even more star players. Yeah, that's it, a think, good point. I think,
2: I think it varies at that point because it depends if it's if it's early if it's early season or early game ogres to late game ogres.
0: Uh, yeah, yeah, you're right in that, right? It's, um, in
2: early game, it's beneficial, obviously, you have your space, and then, obviously, you've got that chance to induce those players with that new new potential skill coming in. Late game, and we actually looked at it with, like I said, with some of the guys, Obviously, with my team, for example, and if I take off all the snotlings, I've got about 120k of snotlins. and that's about it. The rest of the team value is in rerolls and ogres
0: yeah 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 yeah. that's fair enough um so you briefly mentioned it the strength up so talking about ogres and snotlings now rolling stat ups what are we looking to to take and what are we looking to pass on
2: ogres take the strength if you get a strength take it i know a block would is is just as useful but then you you put down a strength six ogre on the table all you need is one guard to three dice most things then
0: you're exactly right i couldn't agree with you more i'm a big fan of taking strength in most circumstances anyway because i think it's the it's the biggest influencer of everything in the game and it just it does bring a whole lot of character to that player as well
2: yeah um on the ogres i would say pretty much any any stat increase bar bar armor is useful you you get a movement six ogre it, it just adds to the value of what you can do the agility on an ogre essentially just makes it just easier than you've got a designated ball handler and you, mm. you're aiming for for that double to get in that sure hands or or dodge or something
0: well they do so, say the the only way to
2: get an edge for ogre is to get an edge three ogre so i'm on board with this <laughs> yeah um as as for snotlings it's Currently, the only real benefit I see for them of getting a stat increase is either on
1: either movement or agility. Yeah, agility, I think, would be pretty useful.
0: Well, agility—it uh, doesn't affect any of their dodges because of Stunty and Titchy combo. It, it will just affect their ball handling
2: and the ball landing. And, and the landing. The pitch.
0: Of course, of course, the landing. Yeah, that's okay. That's huge. I'm on board. Yep. Tick. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I, I, I think, I think that's, that's,
2: that's the only really time you'd consider, I said, a, a stat increase on a Scotland.
0: See, um, I, I, I would have to get. I would have to take the strength, and I know it would be a subpar, and I know it's a huge bit of TV bloat. But <laughs> I, it's just, I think that's ju- if you're playing ogres, you are playing literally for the lols. Um, yeah. And I'm going to bring that 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 term back from <laughs> from, from from the 2000s because there you are, and I think the the prospect of having that straight to Snotling oh.
1: it's
0: just he's just a character then, but and he's 70k. Guy.
1: Compare him to a goblin. Uh, is, we- he's, he's, <laughs> it's,
0: no, but then the other
2: side of it, if you think about it, if if you've got a if, it, if it's like after your ogres are developers, so you've got a fair bit of guard dotted about. Yeah. You then get a strength through Snotlin. So a strength through Snotlin going in against someone that's next to an ogre with guard, you suddenly got that strength bonus of, like I said, two to four, potentially yeah. even five. and um, And that could actually be quite tasty. <laughs>
0: Well, you're right. I mean, can you think of much things that are better than two-die blocking with a Snotling? <laughs> Three-die <day> blocking. <laughs> I like it. Yeah, so, yes. Okay, so we are all agreed that the strength plus on the Snotling is 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 far from optimal.
1: It's indulgent. It is very indulgent. <laughs> and I think when, you, when you're when
0: you playing with Ogres, I think it just... I, I would never be able to pass it up because it's too much fun. Um, but if you're playing, playing to win, then yes technically three and a half snotlings is better than one snotling with strength two (laughs) yeah (laughs) right fantastic so that covers the two players so now we're going to have a quick look at standard rosters now starting from a league so what build did you go for
2: five ogres two rerolls
0: you went with the five two i brewed mine up with the four four um, and then built up the cash and bought that extra ogre and it's helped my team be really consistent and I've found that to be um, actually a really good way of doing it. You do struggle to brew up the ogres though um, so it's like the, uh, the, the Chaos, Nurgle you know all those teams where you start with as many big guns as you can so they can farm the SPP so they can develop quicker but um, you know I like the 4-4 and uh, because of the podcast like yourself we you get to talk to loads of great people and uh, there's one chap, uh, he's an adamant fan of the six O build. So six ogres, no re-rolls, and <laughs> you just you just wing it. And I thought that's a, it's a very uh, bold uh, way of doing it.
2: Uh, he likes to get that's, home that's, early, That's, that a, guy, very, that's a very hardcore way to play it.
0: It, it is, absolutely.
2: Because it, it's one of those things, it's a lot of people, if something doesn't go right, it's, you, you tend to regret it. The two re-rolls, I know it's not a great thing, but it gives that small little bit of safety. So um, a,
0: in a league setting, do you normally find yourself up or down on team value? I think my
2: ogres have always been up because of just the ogres.
0: Wow. I see. I always find myself down. Um, so I it's it's interesting where, where I've gone for the four reroll build. I always tend to be able to afford that extra reroll. And I don't know whether it's because I've got more snotlings that are sort of Dying and they're not growing as fast because of that, or just because the other teams are better. But <laughs> you know, the founder having 100k to throw on an extra reroll, so for example, to take that five ogre build up to a five three instead of a five two, um, it really does take the edge off.
2: Mm. It, it, it's an interesting thought because I said it's like with, with this, it's like it's season one of my ogres. It's I lost a few ogres, like I lost two ogres, one quite early, so that kind of was a detriment. But then it's the other side. The other was made up for it by rapidly gaining skills, mm. which counteracted the team value loss. Um, but then even now, I think it's been all of last season. I played 11 games. I only had one Snotlin that would skilled up, and he's the only one to have died the entire season. Oh, wow. So once, well, I'm not, like I said, one Snotlin dead in an entire season. And they just didn't suffer any major crippling injuries. (laughs) So it's... uh...
1: I mean, it looks like between those two builds that we've kind of been looking at, the 4-4 or the 5-2, it's perhaps really dependent on your first three or four games, would you say?
2: Yes.
1: Just in the... Go on, you finish. Yeah, no, just in the... Obviously, yeah, you're going to have to... If you take five Ogres, you need... 280k to make up the two rerolls whereas the four ogres only needs 140 to make up one ogre so a little bit dependent on surviving and getting the winnings perhaps yeah it's it's a top and tail between
2: that it's because i I have tried the previous four ogre starts but i find that when when you're obviously starting off fresh four ogres are too easy to tie down
1: yeah, and they've got to cover quite a lot of the pitch, I guess, haven't they? Five have got yeah. a bit more presence.
2: That, that 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 fifth ogre, in my opinion, it gives you that little bit of, yeah, people will then commit to still tying down three or four of those ogres. But then with the snotlins in the way, it also means is that I've, I've found that with the fifth, five ogres, then, I've actually been able to use my snotlins to help clear players off the pitch or out of the way just to free up the extra ogres. You just got a little bit more mobile onto it. It's
0: uh, uh, six think, ogres. Well, this it, is it's I, too much
2: reliant on just the dice, mm.
0: and, and that is a massive, massive. I, I agree with that. So, just a quick shout out to Jared, who is the chap who was talking to me about his six o. He, he has he has got a passion passionate distaste for rerolls, which I, I just think is awesome. <laughs> um, but um, but so I ran my five ogre team, but obviously I got I got to induce brick and. That meant I was running with my six ogres. And you know what? My snotlings ran out real quick. And then it is, I was basically running for most of the game with six ogres and maybe one or two snotlings. And it really puts that pressure on what, first of all, the vulnerability of the snotlings, but it limits your mobility. And then you are forced to do the ogre grind, which can either, if you roll no ones, it's great fun. Um, But you know, when you hit that bonehead, it just stalls your cage. And the advantage of having the five ogre build is if one's bonehead, you have still got the cage. Um, yeah. So yeah, I, I do. Mm. I think I think it's a really interesting differential between the four four and the five two, and I think they're both great. And like like Ian said, actually, it depends on your league setting, what your first few games are likely to be, and how long you're leaguing for. I think.
2: Yeah, that that I mean, that, that is a key point on it. The other side of it, obviously, like you said you personally prefer the four four ogre start. But with that, you put more emphasis on the, the Snotlings getting the touchdowns.
0: Yes, yes, which is uh, un, undoubtedly a massive mistake.
1: Um, <laughs> <laughs> You've got to get those strength two Snotlings somehow, haven't you?
0: Well, that's it. Strength two or wrestle. I'm not picky. <laughs> um, just somewhat amazing. Uh, yeah, so it's cool. But the six the zero is is very, very brave. However, the Ogre team. Is, is coming with what four ogres and 12 snottlings i think the game yeah, yeah yeah i think that's
2: what's on the box and everything yeah
0: so the 448 build may be maybe more frequent because actually it's just one box for your ogre team in league um but i think personally you just pick up that second box so you've got all six you split it with a friend you've got all kinds of fun for that in, in fact most importantly you've got an all snottling team which, you know, <laughs> I think has to be tried just once.
2: I, I, I did toy with that for Alpha Olympics last year.
1: <laughs> Especially if they're all free.
2: No, that was all I said. I mean, that was a league-only league role, but it was uh, Alpha <laughs> Olympics last year. I sent a roster to Alex, and it was, I think in total, it was a 14-man Scotland team, and 11 of them had... Because of his bros there, 11 snotlings with block, guard, and
0: blocks. That is awesome. It That's was so I played, unnecessary.
2: I did do a couple of practice games with it. It was hilarious.
1: <laughs> wow, but yeah, that guard stacks up. Similar to um, that oh. Nurgling team, isn't it? Yeah, the, the, secret, the secret
0: team. Yeah, the secret team from Fumble, which we ran at, uh, which Joe ran at uh, Tombstone Tournament. And yeah, having all those Strength 1 guys with Guard, they're not Strength 1 for long. Um, no. No. It, 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 it was still the
2: case of when the team started to break, they did.
0: Mm. Uh, yeah, yeah. That's quite, it's just a really cool dynamic. So those are the three basic options for, for your builds. And we're really looking at the 4-4 or the 5-2. And it depends on personal taste and your league and what it looks like. Uh, Standard ogre tactics, I think we've kind of talked through it. Um, It is all around using the ogres in a way that they should be used, i.e. hurting things and defending things. And also, most importantly, using them in the way they shouldn't be used, which is by doing stuff with the ball, by taking the opportunity to take a quick pass when you need to, to just really, because, you know, let's face it, a quick pass from an ogre, Four plus, four plus catch. And then that guy, if he's got break tackle, no one's stopping him.
2: It's, it's a viable option.
0: Uh, yeah, it's a risky option. Obviously, that's the whole point. But,
2: it, yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's just, yeah, It's just,
0: yeah. It's just how,
2: how often will it succeed?
0: <laughs> so for disadvantages of the team, though, you already mentioned this, my friend, which is uh, if you're playing against an Ogre team, do your very best to avoid the ogres and take out the snortlings um yeah yeah it's uh it's unavoidable uh however if all they're left with is six ogres and mm. some of these ogres have got some skills like some guard and some break tackle <laughs> it is still a very very tough uh death star to stop um, yeah it's,
2: it, it becomes a very gruesome punch-up
0: I think at that point, if you've got some opposing players with wrestle or strip ball, um, you just got to sacrifice a couple to get that ball away. Because once you get the ball away from ogres, if the snotlings are out of the way, then it's a tough it's a tough thing for ogres to re, to recover the ball.
2: Yeah, I think it's one of those things with ogres. Is why you've got. Like I said it's. as we discuss, it's as the are a good player, you've got to have that variety of skills. As like say, where the brick tackle comes in. Chasing down players is a hard thing to do because ogres will get outpaced by anything but dwarves, I think it is.
0: <laughs> I think basically, yeah. Um, I think mummies are the only thing they could beat in a foot race that mm. wasn't already rooted. So, yeah, those are those are kind of the key bits. So the next bit to touch on with regards to ogres is some of your key inducements. So like I mentioned earlier, we're not going to go into all the star players because we'll do that when the spike comes out. But I think uh I think what what would be your top inducement for the
1: ogre team?
2: I'd love to take morg every time, but he's just
1: too expensive, yeah, I don't think we've ever seen him kind of in our league, yeah, uh, I
0: mean, I played against him, Rich ran him once with his humans against my Skaven, and it literally just it was just it was just me playing against morg um and mm. morg is not an entire team, but you know what if you chuck morg out there and he's got five or six strength, five friends. Uh yeah, I think I think that would be his place to shine. <laughs> <laughs> um, Come on, lads.
2: <laughs> I, I think as we mentioned earlier, Bertha's a nice one if you want to think of keeping it in the theme of just the ogres.
1: Yeah, we uh, talked we talked about Bertha
0: a couple of weeks ago in, didn't we, with regards to the fact they could be taken by the Zons.
1: Yes, mm-hmm. yeah, because we, we were comparing him to the new uh Lizard Man Crocstar. Star.
0: Yeah, which you'd rather take for the Amazons. So Bertha Big Fist is two ninety six five two nine bonehead, break tackle, dodge, mighty blow, thick skull, throw teammate, loner. So, the, the, you know, they're the, the, the big ogre. I mean, 290 is not bad for an inducement. And break tackle, dodge with strength five mm-hmm. is getting you into most cages, you know, at least with a kind of a good shot at it.
2: Yeah. As, as we did touch upon earlier, I said the defensive bonuses or having a break tackle, dodge Ogre as well as the offensive capabilities it's just that cage dive inside of it, it, it it's, it's a touch-up like i said i've tried bertha in a few tournaments and she she's an interesting one but yeah, it, I mean,
1: it, perhaps it, she it, sorry no go on no so it, it, it's, it's a
2: downside to it is that it's it's all of the ogre star players bar one still retain that bonehead rule Whereas it's, I think it's because there are so many of them, it, I don't think it'd be quite feasible rules-wise to kind of strip them off bonehead.
0: It, it's kind of what makes Morg Morgue, though, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Now, I'm a huge fan of Brickfarth and Grotty. Um, first of all, I think that they are underutilised in Chaos and Nurgle teams, because 290k as an inducement for an ogre who comes with an Anch4 goblin I, I think just unlocks uh, extra depth to your playstyle for those other two teams that people never really use. But for Ogres, I couldn't wait to take him because actually, Brick Farth, uh so this is 290. It comes with two star players. One is Grotty, which is a, an Ag4 Goblin, so 6247 with regular skills. And Brick Farth is Loner, Bonehead, Mighty Blow, Nerves of Steel, Strong Arm, Thick Skull, and Throw Teammate. So we're looking at two plus passes for up to six squares in any direction no matter what is occurring
1: um and you know when he's not very. <laughs> was that a welsh joke there by the way <laughs> <laughs> what's occurring <laughs> i, I <laughs> didn't even pick that up uh, but yeah
0: i mean he, he's
2: happens. anticipating the gavin and stacy special yes oh, yeah i
0: can't wait t- tiff is my, my fiance is so excited about that every facebook <laughs> meme ever coming up about that it's just yeah it's great um but yeah, this guy I've I'm really impressed with and you know 290 it it you get your money's worth I think
2: it's it's a definite yes it's they are they are a very strong combo for the team as inducements and the on, the only thing that becomes a bit more of an awkward thing is the the recent NAF uh, tournament guidelines of retiring certain star player players. And um, the sad thing is Brooklyn and forth, were on
0: that list. Ah, oh, that is disappointing. But um, it, it, it's at the
2: discretion of the tournament organiser. So but I think most tournament organisers are happy for them to stay
0: in.
1: And that's why but, you run tournaments. Well, that's it, yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you if you want to make sure you
0: can use the star players you want, then be the T.O. Um, but in our league, we run CRP and um, the, the 2016 Brawl set because until everybody's brought up to 2016, you end up with a a bit of a lopsided build. And actually, for the time being, having expanded star players in a league setting is really not that difficult. And it really doesn't affect much. In fact, it just adds a bit more spice. Um, And I think I'm always going to be of that mindset, I reckon, until they go to 2016 rules full for every team and every team's got a decent amount of uh, star players. Just look at what they did with the Lizardmen, down to six star players. And three of them are like vanilla ones we've already
1: got. Nah. yeah
2: that is true
1: I think but I, one one maybe thing for the Ogres that you know could be in their favour is obviously at the moment uh, Warhammer World you can get Grack and Cramble, Crumbleberry yeah uh, you know I'd I'd be surprised if they didn't have some sort of player with that dynamic in there even if it's not you know Brick and Grotty by name uh, well, it, I
2: think it's Grack and Crumbleberry are, have become the kind of default replacement for
0: brick and farf yes yeah yeah except they've been kind of outlawed by most places
1: as well haven't they? that's what i'm saying they have but there is models that could easily be used yes as uh, as an updated brick i, I so i am a hundred
0: percent uh i am a hundred percent 90 percent sure that that bertha and brick farf both will disappear as we move forward and um, yeah um, i think they'll be replaced by maybe one star player because i think they'll drop the amount of star players in this edition down again and i think yeah if they bring grap and Crumblebury in um and change the rules up so that they are more you know more reasonable or, or less complicated which is why i think a lot of tournaments around you know, say no to them um i think as long as there's something there and i think for me the biggest thing is that although the Ange four goblin is great it's the fact you get two guys for one inducement at a very reasonable price, you don't feel so stunted to, to yes. make it. <laughs> yeah.
2: I, I think I think the other side of it is just uh, one other star player I'd mentioned that brings an interesting aspect to the over team is uh, Scrapper Sawhead.
1: Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that's a really good point. I, I've more not ever of, considered more of a ball it, handler.
0: It does give you that definite. Well, that that was that's why I was excited to run Grotty because a ball handler. That you can throw around is quite good but uh scrap a sawhead. head so 150 7237 golly loner dirty player dodge leap right stuff sprinty stunty sure feet very long legs so he's a sure feet dirty player pogoer isn't he hey I, I don't think
2: he has a dirty player
0: uh i'm the crp he's got a dirty player is it? Oh. yeah <laughs> i think it's just one of those ones that never gets used um but, yeah, I mean, I don't have a lot of experience with him and an ogre team.
2: I've I trailed him. I think the last time I did use him, I had Scrapper and Bomber dribble snot. Mm. So oh, wow. That, that that was an amusing situation <laughs> where Bomber ha- did decide to perform, got the perfect throw, it landed, <laughs> and then Scrapper just went in, picked up the ball, and legged it. Oh,
1: amazing so i guess maybe it comes as well so league versus tournament in terms of the star players in yep. the obviously the the players we just mentioned there can be quite um spp hogging in terms of if they're being used to carry the ball score the touchdowns uh would you want to take them early in the league as opposed to something which maybe uh, just helps the rest of your team develop more I, i'm not sure
2: it's one of the things i think is much more said, it's in the league play. It's here's the thing, it's, if you want the win, because you always get the benefits of having the win, maybe the larger gold income, and, but then it's like, with the, yes, you lose that on the touchdown side of it, but then, if you're primarily focused on your ogres to do the bashing game and to get their SPP, that, that way, it means that your ogres are free to do that without having to worry about the
1: ball so much. Yeah, good that consideration.
0: That's really true. I mean, at the end of the day, if you're going to win with ogres, okay, let me rephrase, if you're going to, do well with ogres you're only going to score one or two touchdowns so losing those three spps is not as huge as it is for like an elf team or even a human team where getting two or three touchdowns in a game can level up several of your guys straight off the bat your ogres you're going to be lucky to get a touchdown with an ogre every game um and you know like like you just mentioned like farming those casualties is the way forward with ogres and winning with an ogre team gets to unlock your fifth ogre or your third re-roll and then the win is more important than the touchdowns for developing the ogre team i think
2: yeah and as i it, it's, it's, it's I i don't know if your leagues tend to do where the winner gets to to re-roll their winnings for the game
0: yeah yeah if you win
2: and i think most leagues tend to do that where i said is i guess if you're the two like you said a plus one for winning um i said that win it's just that it's just that money boost to get what you need quicker.
0: Yeah. Because once ogres hit 14 1500 tv they are a very I say very good. They they they're a decent team. Uh you know you, you can't it's not they're like half Yeah. Yeah exactly. It's not like halflings and goblins that as your tv goes up you, you've only got two or maybe three players that you really want to level up. On the ogre team you're going to end up with six players you want to level up. And those level ups very rarely go away, so you know with the halflings you've got a, a couple of key players you want to level and your trees, but the rest of them are chaff and they don't count. but with the ogre team, more than half your team when you get there is going to be big players that uh, you you're going to want to develop, so they get better at middle bit mid range i think than um, than any the other stunty teams, which brings them into contention. I mean you know, I got to play my twelve hundred ogres against fifteen hundred orcs, and it was it felt a really good game, and I'm, mm. I'm you know, that surprised me.
2: Uh, there is one thing I was curious about. Have, I haven't tried it yet myself. Have you? Either of you guys tried the the halfling, the hot the hot pot wizard? Oh wizards? no, not no, the
0: not
1: new not one. Yet.
0: No, it looks fun, but um, we don't actually have a halfling player in our league just yet. I think. Lewis has run a game with my Chaoslings, but that was a brand new team. So, no, we've not... No one's, no one's had an opportunity to take the hotpot yet.
2: Hmm. Because it is one So the i say. I did see that it was was viable for Ogres, but I just don't know if it's... Uh, it'd quite do the, the job.
0: Um, I mean, you know, the Bomber's great fun, and I can see that Wizards will be just as useful uh, with an Ogre team as, you know, any other non-adgible team, so... I think, uh, you know, having a half price, very random fireball, you know, it it can only it can only make things more horrific for the enemy. And that's where we want to be.
1: (laughs) I think it's it puts them into that kind of extra random because currently, you know, you are very at the mercy of the bonehead rolls. And and actually, if it all comes together, you can really smash and it'll be the same with the wizard, won't it? And that if that comes together, great, it's going to open it up. But it's yeah. another opportunity where it could completely flop.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I think that's part of the fun of it.
1: Exactly. Uh, that's what I mean. It just pushes yeah. them that extra level of random.
0: Just a crazy. So let's quickly talk about key builds, not necessarily key builds, but key points for tournaments. Because I think you both mentioned this now that running ogres in a league, you start, you know, and you you, you brew up and you're not there. But actually, if you go into a tournament, especially with something like the World Cup build or you know i'm not sure how well they played out in the atv build but any notes for people wanting to take ogres to a tourney it, it,
2: it's it's you, you take ogres for the lols
0: <laughs> i <laughs> that, agree that, so. so
2: that is it for tournaments it's it's you can have some really random funny moments but it's also the, the slight negatives on it because obviously it's still ogres but i think it's this tournaments, it's where I see it. You go the six ogre build
1: uh, if you
2: can. And if you've yeah. got easy access to star players, chuck them in. Definitely good fun. Um, I think the, one of the tournaments I did uh, in July, you had to take a star player. So I had seven ogres on the pitch.
0: Oh, wow. That must have been a bit too many. Uh.
2: No, no, no. Just, just oh. about okay.
0: Was one of the morgue or was this?
2: No, it was both.
0: There. Oh right! Wow. Okay. Oh, that's just carnage. Um, yeah, I can I, I, like I say when I ran ogres at Birmingham, I think it was a, a I think it was only 1100 build, so I didn't get a big star in, but I did take the bomber, and I got to use those skills to make my ogres, you know, a, quite a decent threat. And you know, bomber was just in there to spend a bit of spare cash, just to throw a bit of disarray. Uh, but they, you know, you get to the 11, 1200 build. And if you get to choose your skills, and let's face it, with them being tier three or four, depending on your all set, you're going to get doubles, which means you're generally going to be able to run a few ogres with block. And as soon as you start, and that is a huge edge, um, because in league, you're brewing a team and you're hoping for block. In tournament, you get to build, you get to choose, and I think it does give them that extra 10% of, um, you know, so it takes them up to like a 20% chance of winning instead of a 10 And that's just, uh, it's just quite almost competitive
1: you know what though now uh, now you've said about Scrapper I'm really I'm really ticking him over actually because he would offer a lot in the tournament build I think because just having that movement 7 it, it, it does lead, dodge it gives you a real explosive chance of scoring and catching I, I, the other
2: side of it it's it, it's very explosive but he, it's it's a it's like it's with because it's, any star player you put on a pitch becomes a massive target hmm I think obviously the brick farf combo um, farf is a bit more easier to protect because he tends to take close to the ogres in the middle of a cage. And, and ultimately, always you've always still isolated.
1: got an ogre even if you get him off.
2: Yeah, and he's and he's always surrounded by some form of guard. I think scrapper. I love the idea of it, but I think in a tournament he become he can become isolated too fast.
0: Mm. Yeah, because he's so much faster than that team as he's going over players and he's going past them. Um, but it, but you're, you're quite right. It does give you that extra reliability of just uh, taking a bit more vanilla with your Neapolitan.
2: Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and I like it. Cool. So I think that basically wraps it up for Bonehead Basics. Is there anything you guys wanted to mention before we move on?
1: Um, I guess the only thing was, um, obviously we have got the new uh teams coming out so i'm just interested sabir what um models are you using at the moment i'm uh to be honest a lot of my
2: teams that don't use games workshop models
1: well i know that i mean that's the interesting discussion because i've seen uh, so many ogre teams out there yeah i think
2: with mine i think it's the good thing that no one else i've seen has gone with what i went it's i went with um the hordes uh legion of Everblight. So for the ogres, I've got the uh, blighted warmongers, which are basically just um, corrupted chaos ogres. Mm. Uh, but then for my snot lanes, I went with a mixture of the the the, the lesser war beasts of the shredders, rippers, and harriers. So they are quite large models, but they, they look very nice on, on the field.
0: Oh, okay. Uh, Those
1: are some cool models.
2: <laughs> yeah but it's when somebody goes are you sure that's strength one <laughs>
1: it's, it's all air <laughs> it's fine but i actually think ogres are probably one of the the most uh kind of customizable model friendly teams because you're you're saying look a big guy a small guy the distinction's really clear yeah there's no yeah. there's no confusion there so you can be really creative in what you take so
0: I, I, can... I, I think
2: it's the other side of it, because so for a while like I said it's Games Workshop and they I know they did re, uh, produce the, the the Metal Ogre team, and that was great. But then a lot of people, this because as like I said, were one of the, were, Was only just that two-positional team. You could pretty much accomplish it, and a lot of people did have a box of Ogre balls because yes, you had six uh... balls, and then with the snot, with the, all the snot knobs that came in the box. I think I actually looked at it. You could feel twenty nobblers out of one box of ogre balls.
0: Yeah, that was my first ogre team. Was that uh, the a uh, box of iron guts uh, to use as the um, to, to use all the cool bits on there? And that was my mm. ogre team back in the day. That and some noblers. Uh But now I've got my nurgling, my nurgling ogre ones, which is the nurgling swarms as my ogres and individual nurglings as the the, the snotlings. <coughs> and uh, you know, I've got my my new. Uh, warlords of era one treeman which i've got them and i've got some little spikes, which are the siege fire demon things oh, and
2: cool.
0: there's it has been great fun to paint and i can use those as the uh, secret league treeman team but they, they're going to work just fine as an ogre
1: yeah because it's just really clear isn't it big yeah, guy small guy
0: you're exactly right but unfortunately the games workshop ogre team looks real cool and for the price of a box and a half so that's you know 30 pounds and a bit of change uh, you get a six-man ogre team with a yeah. it's Yeah,
1: so cool. with, with cheerleaders. The
2: new, with, <laughs> with the new ogre stuff it's obviously, like I said, you saw it with you saw it with each team so far that had either two or three. Like I said, the halflings and the the lizards. The lizards got one more position, also took them up to yeah, four. Yeah, Halflings got two, took them up to four. That our ogres going to get the
0: same thing. Well, goblins got the Hooligan, uh the Doom Diver as well, didn't they? So yes. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So, I it's mean, speculation it. wise, I think just looking at the models, I think we were discussing the possibility of some sort of kicking ogre. Uh,
0: a kicking ogre and a dirty player.
1: Yeah, no, blah, yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't think they will.
2: I I, think I don't they think they do a kicking ogre because I think that will take away from the aspect of if crack. Games Workshop go with the whole idea of bringing forth crack and crumbleberry. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that's true, yeah.
2: It it makes Graf and Crumbleberry obsolete for an Ogre team.
0: Then. But there's a lot they can do with Ogres as positionals and there's a lot they can do with the little guys. And it'll be really interesting to see what they come up with. Um, yeah. I'm very I'm very excited. Um, But the downside is that there are loads of people out there who have these cool individual Ogre teams. And if they have to introduce an extra positional, <laughs> it's going to be it's going to be tough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, wonderful right lovely job guys let's move on to the next topic for our second topic we're going to be having a quick discussion on tournament series so tournament series a quick primer on what they are and what they're good for so um as i mentioned at the beginning of the show we're going to be running the bpcc next year which is a, a mini tournament series for the Bonehead Podcast Run tournaments. So there's four of them, starting with Beachhead Bowl in February and then uh, Bonehead Bowl in May and then Sewer Bowl Sevens in August and Tombstone again uh, in October, literally on Halloween. And what we want to do is we want to tie those together and make them worth playing in multiple events. Now, the NAF has been running tournament series for years and one that I've recently got involved with is the SWTC, so the Southwest Tournament Championship and the whole purpose of the NAF tournament series are to encourage more coaches to go to more tournaments. The idea is to cross-pollinate certain areas and to grow tournament attendance and really just grow Blood Bowl. So a tournament series is a linked series of tournaments where your ranking or your performance in that scores you points and then after a certain amount of time you know normally at the end of the year the people with the most points get additional prizes so it's a kind of way to incentivize going to more tournaments and earning more points um have you guys uh seen been involved with or, or, or considered tournament series before
2: oh yeah i was gonna say with the uh, like work life and everything kind of gets in the way of what i want to do um <laughs> But obviously, like I said, SWTC is obviously the first one that kind of came to my attention on it. And the one thing I've, look, I've looked at, it, I've just seen that, it, it hasn't been a consistent of the same person winning it. Like you normally tend to see with some tournaments. It's tend to see consistently top people with the series because different people go to different ones, perform, different performances happen. And I think the one thing that's been good about the year is that you have had someone different win it each year.
0: You mean um, hawkers, hawkers let people uh, let other people win it, you mean? <laughs>
2: uh, <laughs> uh, is that, but I think it's just maybe like some years he hasn't gone to as many, but I think the last couple of <laughs> tournaments he's gone to this year, it's uh, he's been having fun with Halflings.
0: Yeah, I feel like he's going for Stunty this year. He,
2: he's he um. been doing well with Halflings, I'll give
0: him that. Uh, not as well as you. I believe he came one place lower than you at. Uh, I,
2: yeah, I think it was it was my slight error on score. I would uh, put my thing in wrong, so obviously we'd correct, it, But I was like, he, he can have the trophy. He had it on the day. It's his.
0: <laughs> well, that's good. That bodes well for you. So, Ian, in not necessarily in Blood Bowl, but in um, in AOS or anything, have you ever considered or heard about tournament series?
1: Yeah, I've heard of um, a few series going on. Um, one, I believe, is called the Justice Series. Amazing. Um, yeah, I think they're guys uh, based up, I could be completely wrong here, Liverpool way, um, doing that sort of thing. Um, I think it might be something emerging a bit more. Um, I know <laughs> there are some like regional masters. So I think there's like the, the Dorset Masters, which isn't necessarily kind of self-contained in terms of tournaments, but they draw from all the other tournaments going on players that are kind of in that dorset pool so um yeah i've seen it in kind of a few guises but not really been involved in one
0: oh, that's cool so from from your perspectives as, as players now you both play in tournaments probably like everybody else as often as you can and you both clearly like tournament environments um do you see tournament series as a benefit um, a, a non-benefit or something that you weren't really
2: aware of, or doesn't really affect you. It, it's it was a bit. First of all, I said it was like obviously with the various systems I've been involved in. It, it wasn't something that really sort of affected me. But then it's when I start to take a focus in, narrowing it down. The series were a nice thing because it was also yes, you get to see more of the familiar faces. You get the it's that little bit of rivalry that you get to see with some of the guys and everything. But it's just a way of pushing yourself. It's um. I know when I was heavily into playing War Machine and Hordes, it's obviously I do tournaments. But then there was like there was one pretty much like the SWC. But then that uh, they did a final tournament where it was an invitational only for the top twenty. So over the year, the top twenty people then who got the most points and were invited to that final one day for that w- weekend tournament. Yeah,
0: yeah,
2: and. and uh, and it's the other side. Like I said it's like it was. It, it, it's it's uh, the one I saw. Was, I, I don't know if they've done much of it. Was it this year? It was speedball? They've done oh. a, a couple of a couple of series on that. And like I said, it's um what they've done specially for it is, uh is they've done some special play cards based on some of the coaches.
0: Oh, that's fantastic! That's a real way to build up a bit of ownership within it. I like that. That's that's really really cool. Mm. Um, so I. I've played in some tournaments, but I've primarily been a league player for forever uh, or a local club player. So the idea of a tournament series never really existed in my mind until, you know, last year, a bit, bit bit, further ago. My only real understanding of anything close to this was with my following the Magic the Gathering community. And they have a very structured tournament series that ends up with you playing in games that you can win up to a million dollars in which
1: (laughs) and you you thought i want a piece of that
0: well you know for a bit i was like i could be a professional magic player i I really really can't but um (laughs) but the idea that you you know you go and you play games and and you've got those two different types of players you've got the casuals that will you know earn a little bit of something like hey cool i'm on the leaderboard that's pretty cool or the the guys who grind which creates a little even a a little bit more purpose to something now i'm i'm always a fan of making things feel important so adding that bit of value to whatever it is whether it's a task whether it's a job whether it's you know the climate you work in or whether it's your hobby adding something extra just gets that buy-in and helps that community have a bit more reality to it now Ian you'll know this from from shopping in the games workshop in Southampton Rod the store manager there was always really good at making everything in Games Workshop really matter. So Mm. as a kid, you know, you were going in there, you're like, oh, this stuff is cool. And he was like, no, 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 you don't think it's cool. This stuff is cool. The way he treated (laughs) it it was just, honestly, it was like, it was like the biggest fact. It was like, it is raining and space marines are wicked. And you were like, yeah, they are. This is good. This is my place. And, you know, having something like a tournament series where there is a, a grander thing to it, I think really helps solidify a hobby and add an extra element of, of something special going on there.
1: Now, I think it really, um, it's double-edged with all things, I think, uh, because you've got a couple of aspects at play, really. So, number one, I think you you kind of have to accept that the people who go more regularly are going to be in with more chance of winning. I think that's just a fact, isn't it? Absolutely. If you're looking at it that way. So, you know, that can be a negative, but it also can encourage you to, to go to more. Uh, secondly, I think the other thing is you said yeah it puts importance on it but again i think if you're not careful sometimes that can actually stunt the teams that are going because if everyone's going to a tournament and you're not viewing it off as just a one-off bit of fun yeah maybe you're less likely to see team variety in trying cool new things and trying you know ogres with uh, wrestling <laughs> snotlings uh I mean if you've kind of lost a few tournaments then you might be more likely cuz you're like well you know why not i've
0: got nothing to win now i can't top place
1: exactly and, but that's kind of yeah. sad in itself <laughs> yeah
0: so there's 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 a lot of things out there so for example within the SWTC you're limited by several of your top wins so if you went to 20 tournaments or 5 tournaments you might be only eligible for the same amount of your best scores within that and i think a lot of tournament series do that to help you know, uh, say yeah, the, that, person, the person who can go to three tournaments can still do just as well as someone who went to 20 and only put up three good scores. Which yeah,
2: I is really important. That's, that's one that's a definite benefit like in, for people that aren't able to get around as much, Yeah, basing it off your best performance.
1: That's quite elegant, actually. I like that. It is a really useful thing. And you know what? It fits in with how
0: we work at Wobble because that's how our league works as well if you come in and you win four games and you only play four games and someone else plays eight games and they only win three games you still do better than them and um, and i think that's important because our hobby is an add-on to our life until uh, such a time that i win the lottery and can fund some kind of professional blood bowling and um, you know <laughs> that's 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 the ultimate dream mm, but I
1: buy a theme tune
0: ah oh, i love theme <laughs> tunes you know that It was was fantastic that I was editing uh, Seventh Super Series, and then afterwards, Tiff and I went out shopping and she was whistling the tune in the car. I was like, Yes, I've made it. (laughs) So, with the SWTC, yeah, you're, you're limited to some of your best results, and I think that's really important to help keep coaches invested in it. And it also does mean that, you know what, I've done really well with these three teams, I can now afford to go and have. crazy other team game or something like this but something that we spoke about at the beginning is the different league the different tournament builds essentially work as a different meta so every tournament with its different rule set will imbue more or less benefit in playing certain teams and we saw this with the NAF World Cup where tier three was so incentivized that we saw so much of an increase in tier three and underworld Nurgle and stuff like that where you know your extra skills actually made those teams more tasty uh you know than than some of the regular ones um and i think that the the, the tor- tournament series it rewards winning and it rewards a coach to look at the rule set and say you know what this team runs well in the rule set and i think at that point it becomes down to the tos to have a bit of variety um I suppose one thing to mention on this is that when we do the BPCC next year, we we're going to give coaches championship points for how well they've done in a single tournament. But also they're going to collect, which we're calling SPPs, because that's, you know, it's just only fair, (laughs) just series pro points. So, you know, you win a game, you get so many pro points and that builds up and you retain those. So even if you go to two tournaments and you end up with six SPPs, you achieve that rank, you achieve that level up. And then, you know, there's going to be other people racing and they're going to get to 16 SPPs and they're going to go up to level three. And, and we're going to reward those levels outside of individual tournament appearances. So if you go to a few tournaments and you grind or you play for, you know, a few and you end up getting to level three, you know, you might win a journeyman award. So what we're going to do is, you know, when these players, if you get in the top eighth of a tournament or you hit your 16th SPP to become an experienced coach, you know, we're going to invite you to our next tournament. For free as long as you sort of say yeah and book me in um, because we want to encourage people to just keep playing and it's just going to be about winning and attending because we want more people to come to more events and just make blood bowl a- an environment that is all about playing a load of games um, and I think that's for me the, the most important thing in the tournament series is, is the fact that they should be encouraging. Additional attendance and with more attendance comes better prizes, but also it comes with better opportunities to do things in the community, like with football. And actually, you know, it's part of the SWTC, it was a great decision for it to be part of the SWTC. And even if you only got an extra three or four players there, because you know, oh, it's in the SWTC, fantastic! First of all, it raises visibility of tournaments. But secondly, yeah, it will bring a couple of extra guys to a tournament. And that's extra money for either prizes, which makes the event better, or, you know, for example, charitable donations. Yeah, I
2: think it is one thing. The one thing that I did find interesting it was like, so the charity aspect was one thing that kind of pulled a, a couple of more extra people in. But it's one thing that a lot of the guys a Local said, it's for Blood Bowl, half of the people that were there weren't our regular tournament players. Yeah. and all these guys, I said, it was much more people that kind of come into it that started playing. We had guys from up the Rhonda valleys that come in. We had guys from Gloucester. Who none of us had ever really seen at tournaments before, uh, but they've been registered with the NAF for a long time, and they, they obviously they went to different tournaments. But it's it it's creating those links with tournaments on yeah. on a variety of different things. I said it's I said, my my main thing. People say, oh, why'd you go to a tournament, and it's. People say, "Oh, do you go to just win," and I said to him, "Winning would be nice. <laughs> it's, it's, it's always a nice thing. I think I think in all the times I've been to, the only one I won was the the first chainsaw Christmas chainsaw massacre one.
1: Oh, well done.
2: <laughs> yeah, that that was the first one I won. But I go to it. It's it's the social side of it. It's I went to my first NAF champs uh, two years ago. I wasn't able to go to last year or next year. I put the cover board." i went and i meant got to meet so many faces of people i'd only just been talking to online or occasionally speak to and it's that you get to meet up you have a laugh you meet a lot of new faces and that's the whole thing of this this community yes it's winning is a nice thing playing the games but the key thing it's it's meeting new people being Uh, in
0: that community
2: yeah build build building community and the, the other side of it it's with the tournament circuit it's I know like currently like, since I've taken more of an interest in it, it's it's the guys from the Wales where they've been helping develop that uh, like I say by running the league we're pulling in more players, we're developing a pool of Welsh blood uh blood ball players <laughs> for the purpose of Euroball and everything. Yeah. Exactly. And a lot of the guys from like say from the like I say where the Carnage Cup was run, essentially in the North World guys, they're normally a bit more icy state. But that's like a bridge where we we always have some guys who think it's last year I think we probably had about a dozen guys that went up this year not as many were able to go yeah
1: um
2: but i think i I think still about five or six of us went and it's just to kind of create those links and just to kind of um, i said because it's it's the the sad thing about it i said last year of all it's everyone's starting to get annoyed of just england winning (laughs) and but that's the whole thing is like it's, if, we, if we look at that collectively from what's coming in, it's obviously Ireland had a good, strong show of some of their players with their team. Wales did quite well, did their best performance. Scotland were a bit unlucky on some of their matchups. But it's like I said, you see that development of players coming in, and it's good for essentially, essentially the health of it, of the game, yeah. it keeps getting this it competitive, fresh. But it's also still that. Friendly banter that comes in
0: and that's part of the uh, the extra sort of um publicity of it as well so first before i move on to the, the next point is i'm a quarter welsh is that enough to be part of the crew or or am i am i still an englander it,
2: it, it's, it's a bit of an awkward one that one is because it's if you if, <laughs> on, on the NAF website you registered as english or
0: <laughs> I think it's, I am yes yeah, yeah because obviously yeah.
2: It's, it's, it's that unless you were to change yeah. Wales it, it's a bit of a weird one because the criteria for it, it's, <laughs> it's either having lived in Wales or having a descendant of being Welsh yeah uh, as so I said Andy Dabble for us I think his grandmother was Welsh I think it is
1: Yes, as was uh, as was mine or my grandfather or my dad's all right One of the just change your but, icon for the day but, and be but fine. the other side of it if you if
2: you've never played for for the england team for Euroball, that's a potential as if you did want to like I said to, to possibly be picked for a national team and it's like you see it, yeah. you see it in international sports all over the place someone like I said it's like I'll, I'll use the England rugby team for example there are a couple of guys that could have been playing for New Zealand, yes. but never got picked, uh, but right. had English heritage and went for that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So my, my next point with regards to um, the to tournament series, and this is something that I would like to start pushing. I, I, I uh, took over looking after curating the SWTC very, very shortly before the first event started to roll out. But something I'm committed to do to just try and boost the, the publicity of it is to do those video previews to do the video reviews to start getting those scores published in, in a way that's a little bit more oh I'll watch that I'll pay attention to that and then over time what I would love to do is start to get some interviews of some of those regular coaches so we can start as an audience because these days there is a much bigger gamer audience than I think there ever was and mm-hmm. I think the more we engage with that audience so I'm very lucky that you know we have so many people that, that get engaged with our podcast and want to be involved and there there's so many people that you know have so much to say about seven super series including telling me off when I don't quite perform well. <laughs> um but you know there's there is that appetite for there because you know what those guys who can't get to a club and play those games they might have half an hour while they're painting to watch something and take an interest and if they can't attend the tournaments they might still want to spend some time learning about the builds and start you know because let's face it as a war gamer one of the best things to do is to brew up lists. And it's no different for Blood Bowl. It's oh, you know what? If I could take a team that was only linemen, but I had twelve skills to give, what would I take? What would be the best brew for that? You know, yeah. and, and and the ATV was a great topic because actually it's a different build. Oh, what could I run? And you know, I did that quick video preview for, for food bowl and there were some people who either messaged me or posted on the actual YouTube video and were like, you know what, this would be a good team in this build. How does this go? So when I finally get round to finishing off um, the review videos for that and for uh, the North Wales Carnage Cup, it'll be about these are the lists that, that got taken and these are the guys who did really well and this is how the standings are now. Well, Next see, year, if you want, curious. I can send
2: you all the rosters that were sent to me for the purpose of it so you can have... A oh my
0: the... goodness, that would be amazing. That would be absolutely fantastic. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, I think the, the only
2: unfortunate, there was one roster I didn't check properly and... There was an error on that but then it was in the first game we noticed it so we managed to rectify it quickly
0: yeah that happens to, to all of them i think it happens in most tournaments someone tries to sneak something through
2: no <laughs> yeah. like, it was my, my fault because i didn't check it correctly
1: <laughs> i think that's definitely um an aspect that yeah community wise people are really interested in um you know looking at the kind of tournament meta as it were yeah. and, and getting some of those list breakdowns and then Having the discussion with some of those winners and and maybe getting some of the reasoning behind it because I think it's easy to kind of net list as it were, but yeah. just getting getting people's because even if a even if a team wins, just being able to talk to that winning player and say you know is there anything that wor- didn't work for you that you would change, and actually just getting the reasoning behind it and how it was played I think is um, a lot more rich than just looking at some uh, you know straight up bland lists
0: exactly taking a list and going oh yeah this is the best build but why is it the best build how do you play it and i think it's just it's just an element of the hobby that i think is currently untapped and i mm. think is actually really great fun to participate in so before we wrap up are there any downsides you guys can think of for tournament series
2: basically the only downside i see to it is if someone's not able to to attend as much as what they wanted for it um but then that's only about it really someone's not able to kind of fulfill the the, meeting the requirements for a series
1: yeah i guess that's well it's a kind of it's a bolt-on really isn't it because you can still go to one tournament do well at that tournament and be rewarded for doing well at that one tournament regardless of if you get you know points towards a bigger series
0: Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, before there were tournament series, there were tournaments.
1: Exactly. And, uh, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. And people and tournaments are enough for people. But when that tournament is over, knowing that it is part of the next one, um, it meet, it it does add that continuity and it just adds that depth of reason. And I think that's just even more of a way to immerse yourself in the hobby. And okay. uh, for me, that's why I'm really looking forward to exploring the SWTc and the BPCC and just see what we can do to reward and engage that blood bowl community. Uh, and just to highlight it to more people that may be sitting on the edge and thinking, eh, I'm not too fast, but actually, you know what, come along. Do
2: this, I, give I, it I a go. The, there's only one other thing, I think, because so the nice trophy that, you, that we had for football for the SWTC, the, you, on the preview video, video you had the, the Carnage Cup one. That's yeah. a nice feature for the winners. But then it's the other side. Do, would you want to go with some sort of participate Participation part of the award of it, like the people that actually attend these shots So like with the year you've got your different dice. Like last year, they had the the apothecary token. This year, they've got the bribe token with the dice. Yeah. Yep. Would that be something to maybe do for tournaments? But then it's it's tailoring it for that. It's it's having that forward knowledge for which tournaments are running. Because uh, like I said, we've got the the patches running. Like I said, it's um yeah one of the guys Loki. I think he had when originally it was just twenty races, then it became twenty four. And then now with football, he finished his, week, his patch for his uh, 26 races being played within the time period.
0: Yeah, it's, uh, some, there's some cool stuff there. But the thing is with tournaments is most of them do their own dice or do their own tokens or do their own bits and bobs like that. So, you know, we're going to be doing some stuff with the Bonehead series next year. But once you've, uh, once you've created some stuff, if people go to one tournament and they go to the next tournament and they get the same freebies, it, it, it devalues it massively yeah uh, and that's something that we found last year because we had the blue and green bonehead dice made up and we gave them out at our first tournament and then we also gave them out at our second tournament and half the people that were there had already got them which they were fine with because then they got two two blues and two greens <laughs> and they could use yeah and
2: people like the the change even if the logo is the same they like the changing colors per year yeah.
0: yeah and i think um to do an overarching something like that for a tournament series i think can only really be played with by a uh, an accrued award uh, a recruit, uh, an accrued reward system which is exactly what we're going to be doing with our spps next year so you get to the first level you get some bonehead bpcc tokens you to do that you got to get six pro points and to get six pro points you got to you know it's going to be three points for a win for a regular game two points for a sevens game one point for a draw. And there are some bonus points to, to get there for fan favourite, for finishing in the top eight and things. So whenever a player, whether they played one tournament or three tournaments, gets to level six, uh, or gets to the six SPP to get to that first level, they'll get a message from us saying, hey, congratulations, you've made it to, uh, to uh, an experienced coach, we've got this token that you've earned, would you like a copy of it? Um, mm. And that's kind of, that's kind of something I think that we can do as, as tournament series, because it, it does add a bit of value and it adds that little bit of person. So if you can only go to two tournaments a year, then, you know, you can still build up your points and get a little bit of a reward um, to show for your efforts. And then for everything you do kind of adds a bit of value.
1: I want to see some painting points in there, Ben. Oh, <laughs>
0: gosh, my friend, they're absolutely best, best <laughs> team. Best team and fan favourite you get a, a bonus point for, but only if it is a voted <laughs> event by other coaches. That sounds uh, fair. So, so I, think, I think you'll be fine, Ian, because you're painting, uh, you know.
2: Yeah. on a side note that is one thing like i said it's it's there was only one tournament series i ever or tournament i used to go to were actually valued paint the, the hobby side of the into your tournament score
0: i uh ooh, well that's a very good point so it's not going to be included in the tournament score but it'll be included in the tournament series score mm-hmm. because blood bowl is a hobby game and there are three elements to and We talk about this all the time. One is the game, the puzzle. You know, it's the playing of the game and playing for the win. The second is the hobby aspect. You're building, you're painting. And the third is the story, the game itself, what your team are doing, why they're doing it. And you've got those three elements. And, you know, in a tournament, it can be mostly about the winning. But actually being having a great story and a great game with someone is is just as important as playing to win. And it's just as important to, to paint and to love your models and to love the hobby. So it's important that all of those things are rewarded because they are all what make up this great hobby. And without any one of those elements, Blood Bowl is just not as good. It's just checkers. Which... Yeah, it, it, it's,
2: it's, it's, it's at that point because I said the Carnage Cup, I said they did the, yeah. the, that that I writing bit. But there was also the Star Player Showcase, which was running at the same time in the World Cup. They had the same thing for their star player so the best like said, backstory for that star player is it's it's just that nice little
1: flavor yeah bit. that's nice touches yeah
2: yeah because it was i like, said the i like, said the tournament well, was the one where essentially what they ran was club challenge uh it was essentially like, it was just obviously different clubs around there but then because everyone was in so many different systems you had to have so many people in each system <laughs> to kind of compete for it yeah. But everyone's painting score added to their tournament score for the purpose of that, which was yeah. an interesting
1: aspect. Warhammer worlds in any game system are quite big on what uh, is kind of community known as soft scores, which is your kind of um, your, your best player, best sports, and the painting aspect as well. So you do get a different kind of experience doing that. Um, I personally, I think for for Blood Bowl, where it is at the minute you're better off maybe just going for a kind of painting checklist minimum score that you would expect everyone to get yeah but it still celebrates the fact that you've come with a painted team you've come with it based you've come with it numbered all of that sort of stuff and then have a side kind of trophy or a side thing which you can still celebrate the best painted but it not change the kind of gaming score yeah yeah so yeah. it's definitely one to decide what kind of event you want to run. Do you want to get yeah, do you want to celebrate the best player or do you want to celebrate the best overall kind of hobbyist? I think it's it's the way you keep the most people happy in my experience is that you keep the gaming about the gaming but you still celebrate the other stuff to the side. Yeah. Personally, okay. I mean yeah. obviously everyone has different views on that.
0: Yeah that's cool right uh okay guys is there anything else you want to touch on with regards to uh chewing the fat on tournament series
2: um i, don't know anything else
1: involved. Oh, I think i've chewed chewed a lot of the fat. so uh... <laughs> well that's absolutely brilliant well i
0: just want to thank you both uh, again for, for joining me and for having a good chat about a bunch of topics and um yeah Thank you both very much for your time and everybody out there who is listening. Thank you ever so much for joining us. And uh, hopefully we'll see you in the next episode. Thanks, everyone.